0: The 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe, proud supporter of the Illini on campus since 2006. DP Doe, locally owned and operated, they employ a staff that truly cares about their customers, and they'll always go out of their way to make sure that every customer walks away happy and full. Stop in and try a hot box, their popular combo featuring a calzone, choice of side, and a drink. And very soon... January 1st in the state of Illinois. The hot box is going to be that much tastier. Order direct online at dpdo.com for their best deals and prices. Also, Brian Hanson, your State Farm agent and your local choice for insurance. Their team is made up of four local products, all born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. That's Tammy, Kennedy, Molly, and Brian. And their office is located at 408 North Ray Street, Suite A in Urbana. But they service all Champaign County and East Central Illinois for auto, home, renters, business, and and life insurance needs. Their number 217-344-1900 or online at brianismyguy.com. Finally, 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com with vintage-inspired alani apparel including t-shirts, sweatshirts, and soon Bowl apparel. They already got a really cool t-shirt. The Alani are going bowling, which is a great gift idea for Christmas coming up. But other than that, whether it be Alani basketball or football apparel you're looking for, head to fourthandcurby.com for cool old school logos and designs. Really great stuff from Fourth and Kirby. Gotta thank Alani Inquirer for being partners in the relaunch of the 200 level and also, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. It's episode 51, as of yet, untitled. It will be by the time you get it. But kind of a mixed bag of emotions. We have a bowl game to talk about, but we also have, oh man, a missed opportunity for Lani basketball at Maryland. And a lot to talk about, specifically about Brad Underwood. It is the 200 level. It is the 200 level, the 51st episode, My Carpenter in the Basement, and I wish I had better news. This kind of seems like a continuation from last week's episode, but there's not as much venom or anger in my delivery. And I think the reason is I don't have as much skin in the game with Illini basketball. Here's my thoughts as an Illini fan, especially 33 years old. I usually need some sort of indicator that I should be emotionally invested in the team. And so far with the Lani basketball, we have yet to get that. Now, against Maryland, you got close. And I was thinking, man, if they can close this out, I'm, I'm hooked back in. This would be a kind of win that would put you in the driver's seat for an NCAA tournament appearance, which at the end of the day, that's all they need to do this year. Make the NCAA tournament. And then things should take care of themselves, whether it be the Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo class coming in, or really just the long-term prospects of Brad Underwood at Illinois. I don't think this game in particular is a death knell for the team because there's so many opportunities in a Big Ten that's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. But unfortunately, just sort of like with Illinois football, when we talked about when they were 2-2 and and then 2-3, and your opportunities to get to six wins were running out. They found a way to get those six wins, and it took a miraculous win at home against Wisconsin and then the comeback on the road against Michigan State to get that. Thank goodness for that comeback at Michigan State. Otherwise, we would not have a bowl game to talk about. But with Illinois basketball, you are now facing an opportunity against Michigan that all of a sudden went from, oh, that'd be nice, to, man, you probably need to get this. So back to the idea that not being quite as emotionally invested in this team, it is year three of Brad Underwood, and I'm still confused as to what this era is. Certainly what he took over left a lot to be desired. It was kind of a mess. We all understand that. We all grant coaches a little bit of time to figure things out. But with year two in particular, and all the new faces, I get it. His second team was green, to say the least. But they were bad. And yes, there was the marquee went home against Michigan State. And there were indicators in February that said, you know what, this thing could work long term. Enough so that I think we all sort of forgave year two and year one for that matter and said, here we go. This is an NCAA tournament roster, so they should be able to make something of it this year. But as we sit here now, in you know, after the first week of December, I'm not really sure what this team is. We know that there's talent. We see it. They do pass the eye test in spurts, but there is no consistency. The Miami game, of course, sticks out like a sore thumb, and really that game was only heightened by this loss at Maryland. Had you lost in heartbreaking fashion to Maryland, the same exact way. You know, you give up that lead late and Maryland, Anthony Cowan hits the 30-footer. you got to be kidding me, right? Of course that happens to Illinois. But it really would not have hurt as bad had you just beaten Miami. It's certainly not a bad loss to lose at Maryland. Yeah, you would have missed out on that quality win. But everything now after that Miami game feels like you need to get a couple marquee wins in your back pocket if you're going to make the tournament this year. And each loss that you add in December is one more win that you need to get in January and February. It doesn't matter so much in uh, NCAA basketball when you win or lose. If you look at the John Gross first team, they won a bunch of games early, and they kind of backlogged these quality wins that were enough to get them into the tournament, not just in it, but as a seventh seed, despite being under 500 in the Big Ten. Well, this team is not going to have the same sort of fate. You know, they're going to have to have a really good Big Ten record, unfortunately, because the non conference left them with nothing. Missouri's not going to be a quality win, even if they get that but more concerning than all of this is that yes we saw against maryland that they can compete with really good teams and we're going to see that a few more times this year because the talent is there and when things are clicking it's good but this team is still going to be capable of losing games that it shouldn't so this is the tricky balance that they need to figure out how do you get enough quality wins to overcome the inevitable bad losses they're going to have them this is not a team. The way they're playing now, that magically overnight is going to figure out how to beat the likes of Penn State at home consistently, or go on the road against Rutgers, and for that to be a sure thing, I don't trust them. I don't think Alani fans trust them. My game watching experience was two different kind of experiences. The first half was at home, just you know, kind of hanging out, watching on the couch, and trying not to get too excited, but certainly being happy with what I saw. The second half went to Hubers, the old neighborhood bar in Champaign watching it with my uh, dad, and mom were there as well, and then Kara, so the four of us are sitting there. And that second half is going along, and Maryland is clearly playing better, and Illinois is not really doing much offensively, but that lead still was not really being cut into all that much. I even thought that if Illinois was up seven or eight points at the 10-minute mark, that you were still in a decent spot. And I also, as many Illini fans probably did, kind of forecasted that, yes, there will be a slump on offense. This is a common theme with Brad Underwood. You play a quality opponent... You do not put 40 minutes together of good offensive basketball. Or even for that matter, that might be unrealistic. Uh, let's say 32 minutes of really good offensive basketball. You were not seeing that from Brad Underwood's teams. Unfortunately, I think it was, didn't even consider this, but the last 12 minutes, I think you scored seven points. You had a 51 to, let's say, 38 lead, and then you scored seven more points for the entire game. The second half of the second half, seven points. And all the missed opportunities, we're talking bunnies down low, a lot of them from Georgie, which we'll get to that in a second. But this was an opportunity wasted, squandered, and something that would have essentially put Illinois back into the field of 68 with a win at home against Michigan. Then you would have been firmly in it, entering the rest of your non-conference and going into 2020 feeling probably pretty good about your NCAA tournament prospects. And if you look at the beginning of the Big Ten schedule in 2020, it is a bear at Michigan State, Purdue at home, at Wisconsin. The good news with that, quality wins are there to be had. But the bad news is, do you trust this team to go out there and get them? And then do you trust them, even if they went out and got those quality wins, not to slip up against lesser competition? I don't trust them yet. And I'm going off of the two and a quarter years that we've had Brad Underwood as the coach here. Something's amiss. Something doesn't click. I think the theme of the episode is Underwood. And... I noticed this on Twitter. Again, I didn't have a whole lot of anger. I was certainly disappointed. I was bummed, but I I tried to very quickly get out of that mindset. The last time I was pissed off about sports would have been after the Illinois-Northwestern game. The Illinois-Miami basketball game, I got angry afterwards when I reflected on just how bad of a loss that was. But with this, I, I think the questions are arising a lot earlier than I would have anticipated. Even if this had been a season where it was not a pretty road to the NCAA tournament, and mind you, it doesn't have to be. This does not need to be a perfect team. They just need to make the field of 68, or for that matter, the 36 at large teams. You need to be one of the top 36 teams in the nation. That's not that high of a bar to clear. But with Brad Underwood, I noticed on Twitter afterwards that it, there is an outcry more than I would have anticipated. I am skeptical. Not angry, because the season will play out, and fortunately with basketball, much more so than football, you can lose a couple games like this and still overcome them. You can become a hot team at the right time and find your way in the NCAA tournament. I hope they do, because that would be the easiest way for Illinois basketball to get back on solid footing, to make the tournament this year and keep going. But there is some disconnect here. You know, things just kind of seem rickety. They don't seem smooth, and... Case in point, the second half against Maryland, you saw a team that I don't think they played scared, but it just didn't make a lot of sense from Kofi not playing the last five minutes of the game to Georgie being your go-to guy in key possessions when he was three for nine on the night. I didn't mind that so much when it was eight, seven minutes to go in the first half and he was getting to the rim, but having a hard time finishing. Is that necessarily the guy that you want with the ball for the crucial possessions in the last two, three minutes, when Kofi, on the other hand, had no problem getting his when he was out there. I understand the argument to be made that he's a freshman. Do you trust him in that situation? Okay, that's fine. But Georgie wasn't getting it done. Hindsight being twenty twenty, of course, but I think Kofi should have gotten at least some of those minutes at the tail end of the game. And if you talk about free throws, Kofi's been okay on from the line. He's been pretty good, actually. So I wouldn't worry about that either. The last possession, Andres Feliz getting the ball. Okay, initially I like that because Andres Feliz is a bull and he can get to the rim and at least draw a foul. But yet again, you didn't learn your lesson from Miami. Here's where the timeout debate begins. And I think there are arguments to be made for the first situation in which you would have called a timeout. Tie game after the Anthony Cowan three-pointer. You have the ball. Andres Feliz is the ball handler. You have about 12, 11 seconds left on that clock. You have a timeout in your back pocket. You don't take it. The argument against taking that timeout, you don't allow the defense to get set. Totally understand that. However, the Miami game was not that long ago. You saw what a disaster that final possession was. So this is either you have coached this team well enough to trust them in late-game situations, which apparently that's not the case because they've blown two of them on offense. An abysmal drive to the hoop by Iowa against Miami. An abysmal drive to, well, no man's land by Andres Feliz late in the game against Maryland. So they aren't being coached well enough in these late-game situations because they've totally blundered two of them in a row. That's a coaching issue. You decide that you aren't going to take that timeout? Okay, well, it didn't work out in this case. I won't belabor the point on that timeout that wasn't. This is where it gets bad, though. Yes, the official calls the foul. We can argue whether you call a foul in that situation or not. Illinois made contact with that Maryland player. They had to call something, I think, and unfortunately... And that's scrum. They call the foul on you. Maryland goes to the hoop. This was shades of 2000, I think, three. On the road against Wisconsin, second to last game of the regular season when Devin Harris got fouled late, made free throws to win the Big Ten title. That hurt. Ugh. Anyways, Maryland goes to the line. They make their first. And then you call a timeout. Well, here's the problem. Teams have figured out that if you have a one or two-point lead... And there are maybe a couple ticks left on the clock. You miss that free throw because then you were forcing the other team to take a three-quarters court shot at best. That's exactly what happened. Illinois calls a timeout after the first made free throw. They allow Maryland to discuss, hey, just miss it off the front end. And then that will force Illinois to shoot a prayer as opposed to Illinois gets the rebound, quick timeout, let's say 1.7 on the clock or something. And then you draw up hopefully something like the Nick Anderson or Andy Kaufman shot. I know that those kinds of plays are few and far between, but you do offer yourself a better opportunity then, if you get the board, to call a timeout and actually have a play. Instead, you scramble like chickens with your head cut off, you get off a terrible prayer of a shot, and it's not even close, game over, you blew it again. This is the alarming trend, and it is now a trend with Brad Underwood's teams. They don't finish. They do not finish late. You have no trust in them in these late-game situations, really no matter the opponent. Miami's not that good. Probably won't make the tournament. Didn't matter. Illinois didn't have enough plays to win that game late. Maryland, they spotted you a 15-point lead. We knew the run was coming, and you had withstood it to a point of being up seven with a few minutes to go. Even that, not good enough because you can't make the plays late. There are so many individual plays that you could look at and say, well, why wasn't this play made? Why wasn't this play made? You could look at the goaltending that wasn't Kipper, who actually had a good game, with a clean block. Two points for Maryland that shouldn't have been there. You could look at the last foul call if you wanted to, but I don't have so much of an issue with that. It's amazing how each and every play leads up to that end, but Illinois' defense was playing well enough where I thought... They might be able to overcome this. They might be able to withstand the inevitable run and get out of here with an ugly second half, but a win nonetheless. Something that would, again, put them firmly in the NCAA tournament. Instead, we wake up on Sunday after just another heartbreaker. For me, one that didn't have the same emotional punch as like Illinois Northwestern football for some reason. It didn't because, again, I don't have skin in the game yet because I don't feel comfortable enough fully investing myself in this team. I don't trust them. I'm afraid that we are looking down the barrel of another John Gross-like season. And this is what's alarming. We can say that Illinois basketball is cursed or unlucky. It really isn't. Apart from not having won a national title, which is unfortunate to be that team that the best basketball program to never have won a national title. Yeah, that sucks. But you've had a lot of success. Anything but a cursed program. We've had our share of good luck along the way too. And really, when you come back from 15 down against Arizona and you make the Final Four, I think karma, if you believe in such a thing, let's call it about even, even Steven right now. Unfortunately, you're seeing the same sorts of things in the Underwood era as you did in the John Gross era. I don't notice much of a difference. It doesn't feel much different. We're finding these games in December that we know immediately after they end might doom you come Selection Sunday. A game in November and December in basketball means every bit as much as one in February. And it doesn't seem like these guys on the court have quite figured that out. And in year three of Brad Underwood, you would hope that this identity and culture that we've been told so much that, man, Brad Underwood's going to establish this and establish that toughness, all this sort of, I about said toughness and togetherness. That's John Gross's thing. But all this toughness he was going to instill, I don't see it. This is a weak team in late game situations. Often they're a pretty dumb team. They make mistakes that this group of guys with as many veterans as they have on the team should not be making, and yet they are. So when does it become a case of coaching? I can't say where that line begins or ends. I know it's kind of blurred because at the end of the day, if the players just make plays, Illinois wins the game. At the end of the day, if Anthony Cowan doesn't make a 30-foot three-pointer, Illinois wins the game. But because of this sort of uh, the second half and the way that was trending, you found yourself in a situation where Anthony Cowan, by virtue of making a 30-footer, could tie the game. You didn't even have to be in that position had you played your cards right. So again, Kofi, not playing the last five minutes. Alan Griffin and Tev, a combined five minutes between all of them. Kipper, who was fine at the wing position, but again, what's Alan Griffin to this team? We don't know. Tevian Jones, you say that he's eligible to play and you don't even play him. Well, what's the point? Either he's able to play or he's not. And I get the feeling, no offense to Benjamin Bosnans verdank BBV but that Tev might have been a better option in a game like this, especially when you consider how he did against Maryland last year. That might have been an aberration. But clearly, there's something about the matchups or something where Tev Jones would have given you an option off the bench. You don't play him. So why even tell people that he's eligible to play? Either he is or he isn't. I really hate this sort of, if he's now clear, and if he served his punishment, then he should be just as able to play as anybody else. It seems to me like a kind of continuation a symbolic sort of thing that well you know you're gonna have to work your way back into this I don't know I find that quite annoying but when I look at this rotation Georgie is struggling he's struggling mightily this is a long-term concern Kofi we'll see how long he stays here because I know the NBA is not really a, a league chock full of centers from the old guard you know the big bruisers down low that's what Kofi is and he will have a career in the NBA, but is he going to be a lottery pick type of guy? I don't know. But damn, does he look good. He continues to look good. And this was his probably worst performance of the year. And yet when he was out there, he was matching Jalen Smith. So that says quite a bit. Georgie is a major concern. Io is a major concern. For me, as an Illini fan, we try not to, at least I try not to, think of worst case scenario based on You know, all the bad luck, if you want to call it that, or all the misfortunes that have befallen Illini fandom. But there's one that I can see at the end of the tunnel, and it really, really scares me. The idea that we have Adam Miller and Andre Crabello waiting in the wings. They're going to come here, and frankly, you could look at next year's roster with those two guys replacing Andres and Io and think that roster is going to be better. Also, remember, Io wasn't very good last November and December. He could turn it on and be an NBA lottery pick regardless. But right now, he doesn't look it. So here's my version of purgatory, is that Io stays and costs you three years of Adam Miller. Three or four years, who knows? That would just be so Illinois. Illinois. You know, that would be me falling into that sort of, you know, the area I don't like falling into. The idea that, oh, bad things continue to happen to this program. We can't we cannot have our cake and eat it too. There's always something. Andres Feliz, man, he had a, a pretty good moments in that game. But again, you can't have a senior making that mistake late in the game against Maryland. Trent was really good overall. Made his free throws except for one late in the game. But you know what? I think he went five for six from the line. He was making his three-pointers. Trent was probably the best player of the game for Illinois. Kipper, again, had his moments, and that was kind of surprising. DeMonte, a glue guy, but how many times is he going to pass up an open shot? You cannot have a guy of his size out there on the court unwilling to take a three-point shot. He might miss it, but if it's open, take it. There's a confidence issue there, and that's not good. Other, Other than that, I'm seeing him smiling, and he's got the swag that his dad had on the court, too. I think DeMonte does a lot of good things, but you cannot continue to have that hole on offense. You need him to take that three. I hope he does. But the overall product, you know, there's something amiss. There's something not quite right. They have an opportunity coming up on Wednesday against Michigan where if they win that, then, yeah, you got that quality win as you end 2019. This is assuming that they hold serve against everybody else, including Missouri, and they should. They should. Uh, But you need this win against Michigan. If you don't get it, then all of a sudden you're looking at a 2020 january february where you need to go on a crazy run because i don't think it's going to be so easy as just stacking wins against big 10 teams early this year i thought the big 10 was going to be weaker that there were maybe three or four teams at the top the ohio states michigan states Purdue's the world maryland those four in particular well now you got michigan playing better i think they probably got overrated after that great week in the thanksgiving tournament probably got overrated to be placed at number four they'll fall back down to earth here in the latest poll and be somewhere maybe around you know top 15. And that's probably about right, but they're good. And then you look at, oh gosh, I mean, Penn State, I know they had a rough game against Ohio State, but they seem to be playing their usual Penn State selves, which for Illinois basketball, that's a bugaboo. You play Penn State, good luck trying to beat those guys in the last decade. There's enough good teams in the Big Ten, and even the not-so-good teams, other than Nebraska, they stink. You cannot lose to Nebraska that you will have a hard time getting those 11-12 wins that you probably need because you didn't do enough in the non-conference. This goes to one last point about the non-conference schedule. And I think Jeremy might have addressed this and a few other people I've talked to just in conversation. The way this schedule was set up was very interesting because you have the early gauntlet, if you want to call it that, out on the West Coast. Grand Canyon on a Friday, Arizona on a Sunday. And I understood the mindset behind that scheduling because it is sort of like an ncaa tournament weekend two games in 48 hours uh, or 72 hours on the road where you have to recover quickly and then go right back out there and play in strange environments so i I did appreciate that bit of scheduling but then we have this home stretch against the lindenwoods of the world where you don't learn anything and immediately after that you play i guess a quality opponent if you want to call that a power five opponent in miami and you weren't ready for it. And this goes back to this analogy that I'll use of you're in the batter's box and you put donuts on the baseball bat. Literally, they have those donuts that you would put on there to make it heavier, to get your swing looser. You take the donut off and it's easier to swing that baseball bat. Well, this is like the inverse of that. When you play really bad teams and then you expect that all of a sudden Power 5 teams is going to show up and you'll be just as ready to play. Man, that Miami game is going to be a disaster for this team. Yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it because this is deja vu back to 2013 at Georgia Tech in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They lost that game. This is deja vu to 2014, Oregon at the United Center. But then the Maryland game, I compared this to Michigan in the Big Ten tournament back in 2014. The Tracy Abrams layup that wasn't. The opportunity for a really high-quality win that probably would have put you in the tournament. I think this team will win enough games that the Maryland loss will loom large. You aren't going to get points for a quality loss. They don't count it. You lost by one. You had the lead for 39 minutes of that game. Doesn't matter. In fact, I think you had the lead for 39 minutes, and what would that have been? 40 seconds. I think they had it for only that last little bit there. Doesn't matter. They, they won't count that in the selection committee. They don't care. You didn't win. And I think for Illini fans, there is this sort of, man, we've been beaten into submission You know, we expect the worst, and I hate that. I actually felt confident that they were going to win this game. And I don't think that was me trying to play mind games with myself. I just thought that between these two teams and the way they played for the entirety of this game, a Maryland team that I couldn't necessarily trust because as talented as they are, they can be messy. I thought that they have one more mistake in them, and we have one more play in us. We will find a way to hold this seven-point lead with about three minutes and change left. I truly believe that. I was at ease watching it, as much as one could be at ease watching your team on the road against number three with the chance to win. But we're sick of the losing. After the game, Brad Underwood said he was proud of the way his guys fought. Well, first off, back to that word fight. Okay, that's great, but you weren't winning. And we're frankly tired of moral victories. This is not a moral victory. It would have been in year two. It would have been a huge moral victory in year two where you think that this is a building block for something going forward. But as it stands now, you're a three loss team that better be careful when Michigan comes in on Wednesday so you aren't a four-loss team. That would be (laughs) not what I would have expected. I thought one and one in the Big Ten, and you would have only lost to Arizona, two-loss team entering 2020. And the way the schedule was set up, that was how it was supposed to be. It is essential that they beat Michigan. Not just for this year's NCAA tournament prospects, but really for the fan base. I I was mildly surprised at the anger And the despair of Alani fans after this game. Because I think for me, it was I didn't have that emotion tied into it. So then when I see people fuming, I think, wow, this is really registering with people. They don't buy this notion that moral victories are okay in year three. They don't buy this idea that, well, we fought hard and I'm really proud of the guys. They don't want to hear that crap. Back to the conversation we had last week about social media. Which I understand low-hanging fruit and not exactly, you know probably a productive conversation on my part, but we don't want to hear that crap. We just want to see wins. Is that so much to ask? Is it so much to ask a team with this talent to actually start winning games against quality opponents? Because right now they're 0-3 against Power 5 teams. That's the long and short of it. And you can say, well, it was on the road against Arizona, on the road against Maryland. Well, Arizona... Kick the crap out of you in the second half. Okay, we'll throw that one out of there. Miami had a 27-point lead on you. Okay. And now, to make things super creative in finding new ways to lose, you have a 15-point lead on the road against Maryland, and despite the inevitable run we knew was coming, you still had a 7-point lead with 3 and change to go. And you couldn't close it out. That's some weak-minded, dumb basketball points. And it goes back to the coaching. This is a season that... In normal circumstances, I think would be a season of reckoning for Brad Underwood. I'm not so sure what the thought is over there with Josh Whitman and the athletic department about Brad Underwood and long-term what do you do. I understand that we are kind of facing a situation where you have Andre Corbello and Adam Miller waiting in the wings and you feel like you're about to get this thing going. The recruiting has been surprisingly effective from this coaching staff. But does anyone actually believe that this, whatever this is, is going to work long-term? Because it's amazing the difference a win or loss can make. Like, if they had beaten Maryland, I would have come on here instead and talked about how this team is going to make the NCAA tournament. Even if it isn't going to be pretty at points, we would have accomplished what we needed to by getting a marquee win in December. But it's just another in a long line of failures by Brad Underwood. And that's what it is. You know, I know that's a strong word, failure. But this has not been a good stretch of basketball in the last two and a quarter years. And there is time for them to fix it. There is time for them to figure it out. But there's the disconnect I was talking about. I think Brad Underwood is probably a pretty good coach. I just don't know if he's a good coach here. I don't know if the context surrounding him at Illinois, if it makes sense, if it fits, it might be a fit issue. And I think that that was a word specifically that Josh Whitman used back when he hired Brad Underwood, fit. And I think as fans, we all were projecting our hopes and dreams on this guy that was kind of a throwback, an old school, intense individual, and instead, we're finding out that, well, wait a second, massive success at Stephen F. Austin. Only one year as a Power 5 head coach before coming to Illinois. They made the tournament, but keep in mind how much they struggled before that team got hot. And kudos to Brad Underwood for keeping that team together at Oklahoma State and making the tournament. I guess it gives us a little bit of glimmer of hope for this team that's struggling early. But there's not enough tape to say certifiably that Brad Underwood is a good enough coach to succeed in the Big Ten. There simply isn't. But it's weird to think that recruiting's not the issue for him. I mean, we all anticipated that was going to be the hill that he would have to climb to figure things out at this level. And he is recruiting at a pretty high level. He has amassed a lot of talent. There's, you know, a couple transfers waiting in the wings that should help you at the wing position next year for sure. But it just doesn't. I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't feel right, and I wish I could maybe articulate it better. I think Illini fans probably sense that. You can sense it when you go to the State Farm Center, and the crowds have yet to really kind of get back into it. Not that it's been a great home schedule or anything. I think Michigan will be telling. I think you'll find Wednesday an Illini fan base that is just desperate for a win because they they sense it. They understand that this is urgent. They need to figure something out. They need to figure it out soon because come Selection Sunday, these all start piling up. I think you'll see that urgency Wednesday from the fans. Will there be a hangover effect? I know that there's time between the Maryland game and the Michigan game. This is a heartbreaking loss. And I do wonder psychologically what it does to a team when they continue to find these unbelievable ways to lose games. I was thinking two years ago when Maryland came to town. The way that you came all the way back from that game and DeMonte inbounds the ball (laughs) with the lead with two seconds to go and it goes out of bounds and Maryland ties it up. You go to overtime, you eventually lose that game. In unbelievable fashion this might not have been quite as nuts but come on a 30-foot three-pointer you bungle your last possession it's just figure out how to win games you know when you're paying somebody three plus million dollars at this level you cannot continue to have that incompetency at the end of games All right, I'm talking in circles now. Time to move on from Illini basketball. I said I wasn't angry watching it. I really wasn't, but I am getting sort of tired of not having success. Let's just call it what it is. I'm tired of not feeling what it's like to have a big win. You know, Michigan State last year, notwithstanding, that was fun. But wins like that in seasons like that only mean something if they lead to future success. That's why this year, year 3, we all circled. Brad Underwood himself circled it. The players on the team, Georgie, talk about we're a tournament team. That's great Georgie. Start playing like a tournament player. This goes for everybody else on that roster. IO, start playing like a lottery pick. Every quality opponent he's played this year, he has a couple nice buckets in transition, but you can't count on him. You're not a freshman anymore. Figure it out. Okay. Okay, Illinois football. They get their bowl game. Of course, it's the Red Box Bowl. This has kind of been leaking out over the last week. And then I think on Friday it was WAND and Gordon Voigt and Mark Tupper had leaked it on a tweet. And we were just kind of waiting for the official word. And we got it on Sunday afternoon. Press conference followed with Lovey and Josh Whitman. But Illinois, Cal, Red Box Bowl. Yeah, you know, it was what the craft fight hunger was back in 2011. This is not a marquee bowl game. But you got to like going out west, playing a Pac-12 opponent. To me, there is something about that Big Ten Pac-12 matchup that makes it feel more like a bowl game than if it had been, let's say, the quick lane against Pitt, or for that matter, the pinstripe bowl against Pitt. There wouldn't be a lot of pizzazz behind a matchup like that. Not to say that on December 30th the world is going to be watching Illinois and Cal, but I love the timing of it for one. It's after the holidays or after Christmas enough where we'll be back home from Michigan so we can kind of settle in, make a bowl party sort of thing to watch it. I know Trevor will be going because he has family out in Santa Clara. I think Lon uh, was maybe considering it. I think that Jeremy and all the Illini Inquirer guys are going out there. So quite a few people will be making the trek and apparently the Bay Area is the second largest region for Illini alums. I think I think Josh Whitman had said something like that today during that press conference or maybe he tweeted it out. But speaking of which, we had the whole conversation last week about social media and I was kind of going after the Illini social media accounts and Josh Whitman himself for the tweet the day of the Illini football banquet. This was one day after the Northwestern game where he called it a magical season. Now, in hindsight, was I overreacting? Uh, Here's the deal. I try to always acknowledge when I'm coming from a place of emotion, And certainly there was more emotion last week when he coupled the loss against Northwestern with the Miami game. But I don't know. I I still think it's silly to call the season magical. But I think that there was a very interesting tweet today from Josh. Or actually, I should say, something he both tweeted and alluded to in the press conference. So this is both... Typed and verbalized from Josh Whitman. I'll read the tweet, though, that I thought was very appropriate given the season. It said, Proud of the men in this room, they stayed the course and believed in each other. Lots of heavy lifting, literally and figuratively, to get to this point. Are we satisfied? Never. But are we on our way? Absolutely. Enjoy the moment, gents, and let's get to work. Go get win number seven. Trevor had tweeted out or retweeted it saying, You know, hey for the magical haters, quote unquote. And I certainly understood what Trevor was talking about because what you just heard what Josh women had tweeted makes all the sense in the world. And if that had been the tweet after the loss to Northwestern, where you finished six and six, maybe the season ended in disappointing fashion, but the totality of it was a success. I don't think anyone would have had any issue. So I wonder if Josh Whitman consciously was taking a bit of a step back or making sure to carefully use his words to indicate that, you know, we have not arrived and that this is a process that we're continuing to go through to get better and make a bowl game like this the last resort, the worst case scenario. Six and six in the red box, you hope, becomes something that you don't look forward to. I mean, you look at Michigan State fans, for example, and they are probably dreading going to the pinstripe bowl. Meanwhile, we would absolutely love it. So you want to change those expectations. And as an alumni fan, I just appreciated the fact that Josh was – not, it's not a 180 from what he said last week. I, I, I think it is a bit of a game of semantics for me to go after Josh for using the term magical to describe that season when there were, in fact, magical moments. I think today he even called it transcendent wins against Wisconsin and Michigan State. And as lofty as, st- as a statement as that is, I wouldn't disagree with that beating a top 10 team at home that, you know, held their own in the first half against Ohio State at least, and then going on the road and having the biggest comeback in program history, I'd use the word transcendent for that, especially considering where Illinois football was before. But I did, again, appreciate Josh Whitman using a a bit more, hey, we had success, but there's more to come. Whether or not it comes, of course, we need to wait and see. But I I like the feeling of knowing that the athletic Director is aware. As a fan base, we are happy with what they did, but ultimately know that there needs to be more if we're going to be completely satisfied with this football program. There are a few other things from this press conference with Lovey and Josh Whitman that I found interesting. This is a quote from Josh on Jeremy Warner's timeline. So Jeremy, of course, is there covering this press conference, and it begins, I knew when we were sitting together at 2 and 4, I told you we had a group of people over there that were doing everything possible to turn it. It wasn't hard for me to have faith that the program was changing, end quote. However, Jeremy paraphrased that Whitman continued, it doesn't make it easier to watch Struggles. And again, it's that sort of honesty where I appreciate that. He says that they kept their faith. And if they truly did, then that is, well, I guess to be commended in a way. You know, the the concern you always have in a situation like this is how much of that is pride getting in the way? How much of that is pride with your hire and not wanting to admit when you maybe made a mistake? However... He might have very well kept his faith. He spoke anytime he did, at least throughout the season. He spoke as if he believed that this thing was going to get turned around, even when the evidence wasn't there, which leads me to another thing that I thought was interesting from Josh Whitman. He says, the bowl is a great opportunity for us to say thanks to donors, fans who believed this is paraphrasing here. A lot of people step forward and show tremendous amounts of faith without evidence. It's just the acknowledgement. And again, I appreciate the acknowledgement of that, because there was not evidence in those first six games until you had that monumental win against Wisconsin, transcendent, as he called it. And another thing that I also totally agree with Whitman, he mentioned those two wins against Wisconsin and Michigan State, but he said that maybe his favorite was Purdue. And in a way, I felt that way too. The Wisconsin game, I was not able to watch it, It was at a friend's wedding, so that was a really kind of out-of-body experience to be following it on Yahoo Sports app, and then tweet or text with everybody afterwards, like, what the hell just happened? Because I didn't see any of it. It was only the highlights afterwards. And then, of course, the Michigan State game, well, that was a great fourth quarter, but lest we forget, the first three quarters were just really difficult to even get through. So that Purdue game was this really odd experience of settling in for an Illini football game and being in control for the entire 60 minutes. That was a new feeling. That was something that we've not seen for a long time, and even if it was, a subpar Purdue team to go on the road and to win in that fashion. It showed progress. This is something that Lovey's teams would not have done in the first three years. And it showed that this team is making strides. Is it enough? As Josh Whitman said, no, there's more to be done. All in all, you know, it's amazing how one week can make a difference in terms of, you know, turning the page from the regular season and now focusing on the bowl game. You know, the Northwestern game still stings. Because seven and five would have felt a lot different than six and six, but even Lovey mentioned that today that you know seven and six is a heck of a lot better than six and seven, and that makes this bowl game all the more important. Perception, how you feel going in the off season, it is not a must win by any stretch. Because you know ultimately you bring back a lot of this roster, and I don't think a win or a loss in this game is going to have much of an impact on the twelve game schedule next year. But it certainly has an impact on the way the fans feel about it. And I think it does matter. You know, as you get into the non-conference schedule next year, which has three winnable home games in a row, and then you go on the road to Rutgers with a great opportunity to start 4-0. If you couple that with an offseason where you're riding that wave from a bull win, and you get some recruiting successes on top of that, then, you know, as someone, a fan and a follower of this program, I'm beginning to feel that wave get back in the right direction after two consecutive losses to end the regular season. So, you know, it's it's nice to be here in December and talk about a bowl game. One in warmer weather out in San Francisco facing Cal, which I know they haven't been a powerhouse by any stretch, but it's old school. Illini-Cal. And I think the first time those teams have met, if I'm correct here, since 2006, that would have been Ron Zook's second year. Or I'm sorry, it would have been 2005. Ron Zook's first year. And they had just beaten Rutgers at home and I think San Jose State. So 2-0. And that game was not televised. I remember going over to a buddy's apartment I was a freshman at the university, and we had a few drinks, and we're listening to the radio broadcast, and Illinois takes an early lead. I think Tim Brasick was having a really good first half. Tim Brasick, that's a name for the past. And then Cal just kind of took over, because that was Jeff Tedford and I think a ranked Cal team. But for a fleeting moment there, it seemed like Ron Zook was going to figure it out like right away, that we were on our way to a bowl game in 2005. Of course, that team didn't win another game. But then you look at other games against Cal, I think 2003 – you played them on the road and lost. I think that's correct. 2000, I think they came to Illinois, and that was the game for anyone that remembers at Memorial Stadium. Cal had a punter that had the game of his life. I'd have to go back and look at the stats. But pretty sure he was averaging over 50 yards per punt. I think it was 17 to 15 Illinois won by the skin of their teeth. This was the week before the Michigan game. And there was all the murmurs. Will we get game day? Will we not? I think Michigan ended up losing that day to Washington or another Pac-12 team, which negated any conversation of game day coming to Champaign. And other than that, Cal—oh, yeah, in 2001, on the road. So I think there was four games against Cal, 2000, 2001, 2003, 2004. The 2001 game would have been the season opener on the road, out in Berkeley. You smoked him. Brandon Lloyd came back after having an injury-riddled—well, a redshirt year in 2000. And it felt as if this team, in 2001, we we have something here. That game really eased a lot of concerns— that I had as an Illini fan. I was a young guy. I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, but it showed me that this team, with all the veterans on it, were likely to win seven or eight games. Little did we know that they'd go on to a 10-2 and two season, Sugar Bowl, outright Big Ten championship. So, yeah, you're playing Cal for the first time in 14 years, and I like the matchup. I don't know much about it. I like it because it does seem to me that between the Big Ten and the Pac-12... And you could look at, let's say, Utah and their sort of lackluster performance against Oregon. It's hard to get a barometer on how good the Big 12 is as a whole. Washington State, a team that was kind of red hot at the beginning of the year, they struggled, I think, to a 7-5 and five or 6-6 six and six record. Washington, now they lose Peterson, and he was sort of the... Well, that was the model program in the Pac-12 for the last five, six years. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but in a way, that... Brings me a little bit more solace than playing, let's say, a pit where you know it's going to be kind of a knockdown dragout game against Pat Narduzzi and a great defense, or at least a serviceable one, where you know you might struggle to score points. This, to me, screams weird bowl game. You know, where all of a sudden Brandon Peters in this offense they just go off for like thirty-five points, and certainly Cal might go off for thirty-five of their own, but. Because of the lack of knowledge and the lack of experience between these two teams and trying to think of the last time that Illinois played a Pac-12 team. I think you'd have to go back to Beckman in 2013 and 14 with Washington. I don't think Cubitt played a Pac-12 team. He wouldn't have. And then I don't think Levy Smith has played a Pac-12 team. It's been a while. So two different brands of football. Two conferences that I would assume the Big Ten as a whole is better. You've played better teams than Cal, certainly. Wisconsin, namely. Uh, Michigan, of course. And probably even the likes of a Michigan State, you got to think the talent level is a little bit higher than Cal. So I'm excited. Again, the timing is perfect to be after Christmas enough where people will hopefully be done traveling for the holidays unless they're traveling to San Francisco. One other thing that Lovey said today in the press conference as we wrap up here and before we get Trevor and Harry on, he made specific mention to next year's team being the one. He's already putting expectations on it. Now, that's a dangerous game because we've seen with the Illini basketball team this year, they've yet to meet those expectations, and technically they have, they have time to turn it around, but they have not performed as well as even they probably expected. So expectations are a tricky thing, and we've seen that Illinois football in particular, when they have expectations, doesn't go all that well. For the most part, when they have not had expectations is where they've had these surprise seasons. I don't mind it, though. I I love the acknowledgement, first from Whitman, saying that this is a step. We're progressing. That kind of uh, rephrasing, so to speak, from what he said the week before, means a lot to me as a fan. But Lovey Smith really pinpointing 2020 and saying this is the year where we really need to make a move. That is kind of refreshing to me. It certainly could be just construed as coach speak. But one thing I will give Lovey Smith, whether it was with the Bears or with the Illini, he's very close to the best in how he says things and how he talks about them. Uh, but he also, for the most part, is accountable. So when things have been disappointing, he usually says, "You know, we didn't get him ready," or yada yada. Sometimes, again, coach speak. I, I totally get that if you aren't buying Lovey Smith as the sort of you know bastion of honesty but for him to take that next step as someone that has been a fan of Lovey Smith coach football teams now for what was that seven years of the bears and now four years of the Alana. So over a decade of my life, I've been a, an active fan of Lovey Smith's football teams, not always by choice. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's circling 2020 as something to watch out for. I don't know if I have that same level of excitement for a couple reasons. One The institutional knowledge as an Illini fan, that any time you have a season after a quote-unquote successful season, you tend to have a disappointing season. That's just the pattern. We need to break that pattern for one. But then, looking at it more, you know, fact-based data, not just going off of my inferiority complexes as an Illini fan. All the takeaways this year... Some genuine luck, which, you know, there was bad luck too, don't get me wrong, but there was some luck, especially in the Michigan State game and the Wisconsin game. You took advantage of it, certainly. Will all those bounces go your way next year? Because this team, talent-wise, is not going to be looked at as a top-three team in the Big Ten West. They're still going to have to create their own breaks and their own opportunities. They very well might do that, and the schedule gives them a few breaks as well. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But in the meantime, with the bowl game looming you get that win, you go into the offseason, you finish off this recruiting class strong, and then you enter 2020 with four wins on the docket right there in September, that would be a nice, refreshing way to approach an alumni football season. Something that we've not had in a long time, and as long as they just do their job on the field and on the recruiting trail, I think there is reason to think that even with a rough 2021 ahead, maybe they can kind of stabilize this thing which is really what we've been asking for. So this, of course, you know, <laughs> coming a week after the Northwestern game, which feels like a lifetime ago. Really weird. That, that seems like it was not just a week ago that Northwestern came in here and kicked the crap out of you. But the good news for Illini football is they can totally nullify that game and make it a distant memory. It is irrelevant if they come out and win the bowl game and come out and have a successful 2020, no one's going to remember that Northwestern game because ultimately it won't matter if they go seven and six, and then next year they go seven and five or eight and four, it won't matter. So let's make that game null and void. Who cares? Move on, upward and upward. Because guess what? You're bowling. Northwestern is not. And I'll take it. I'll take it in 2019 when I thought this was probably going to be a five and seven team. Okay, we got Trevor and Harry coming up in just a bit. A quick reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. And, you know, this is actually a great opportunity coming up. Students will be gone from campus. So if you were the kind that likes to go pick up your order, well, you don't have to worry about traffic on Green Street. You'll be able to do that while students are gone for a month. But here's the good news. DP Doe, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So order them on at dpdo.com. They have all the best deals and prices on the website. Again, that's dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, of course, for all your auto, home, life insurance. You name the insurance, they probably got you covered. And their local products that have been born and raised in Champaign Urbana. So not just Champaign Urbana residents, east central Illinois, brianismyguy.com. That's brianismyguy.com. Finally, 4th and Kirby, they are Awesome. And now they have a partnership with Alani Union Bookstore selling Fourth and Kirby apparel, but you can also shop online just in time for the holidays at fourthandkirby.com. This is vintage-inspired alani apparel, so whether it's the bowl game coming up or for Alani basketball games at the State Farm Center, rock some Fourth and Kirby gear. It looks great. And i got to be honest, I was shopping for Nike gear because I'm a Nike guy. It ain't good. It's really falling off. So I let's make that transition to the mom and pop stores, so to speak. These guys are born and bred Alani fans, and it's really high quality stuff. So I'd recommend you check out fourthandkirby.com. Okay, Alani Inquirer, mentioned them with the partnership we've had since the relaunch of the 200 level Champagne Showers Podcast Network on Twitter at 217Showers. Those are the particulars. Trevor and Harry coming on to talk mostly Alani basketball. Because, you know, we, we don't have a lot to talk about the cow golden bears. There is one final thing, though, and we're going to talk with Harry about this, and I'll get into the more weepy segment later this month. Harry has a great opportunity coming up at the beginning of January. I think he's moving in the first part of 2020 out to Connecticut. He's going to be an employee of ESPN, a production assistant out there, working with, I believe, podcast. Obviously, we're ecstatic for Harry because this is an opportunity that you just can't pass up, and he's at that age in life. Here I am, a 33-year-old, and I got things kind of settled here in Champaign-Urbana. This is my home. But I look at Harry. He's a guy that's lived in Pennsylvania. He's lived in Florida. He's lived in Illinois since 2013, 2012, I think. So he's been here for about seven years. Why not? Take your shot, and I think he'll excel out there. Not a name that I would be surprised to see hosting the ESPN Philadelphia Midday radio show within the next decade. I mean, this is a very talented individual as you well know if you listen the 200 level It's a huge loss for us because Trevor and I were talking and do we get a third mic do we not we we prefer things to happen organically But Harry is irreplaceable in a lot of ways his sense of humor is second to none And if I look in my life at a short list of people that can just make me laugh with the way they say things I mean, it wouldn't matter what words are actually coming out of his mouth, but it's the manner in which he says it and the tone and the comedic timing. It's rare. And it was something that we noticed, Lon and I noticed, or Jeremy was the one that brought him over to ESPN because Jeremy would interview him when he was covering practice. He recognized something in him and uh, fairly immediately became part of the gang. That was what we had over at 93.5. It was kind of a gang, you know, Lon and myself and Trevor and Harry and then uh, Jeremy, of course, before the show split off. But as much fun as we've had on the air, we've had a ton of fun off the air. And if there's one thing that I don't think people maybe pick up on the air, because Harry has this not abrasive but very direct way of communicating, which I've always appreciated. That honesty is something that you cannot understate. He he will tell it like it is, and I know that sounds like a Dan Dockage kind of thing. Dan Dockage just you know he's kind of a blowhard. As good as he is on TV, he's kind of a blowhard. Harry's not. He's analytical. But at the same time, he will call things out for what they are. Always appreciated that. We're going to miss that perspective terribly on this show. So for selfish reasons, I was kind of thinking, oh, man, does he need to go now? But for him, it's just a no-doubter. And for us, we couldn't be happier for Harry Black. So we'll say the longer goodbyes for at the end of the month. I think he will be here through the bowl game, at least the episode before. So we got that going for us, but we will miss him. We'll figure out if we do get a third mic or if we don't, Trevor and I will kind of carry on as is, especially through basketball season, but Godspeed, Harry Black. He is a talent and I will not be surprised to see him doing his thing on the radio or in podcast format for the rest of his life. And whatever he does, you can rest assured I will be listening because he is a very compelling personality on the radio, on podcast. Anytime he's behind the microphone, he's worth listening to. Speaking of which, it's time to speak with Trevor Valise and the one and only Harry Black. It is the 200 level.
1: It is
2: not the same thing as Coke. I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm saying it's similar and it's actually better for you.
0: How is it better for you?
2: Well, there's no sugar. Harry, that is the least of my worries. Good God. Yeah, I'm not going to convince you guys on this
0: one. I I don't think so. Let's start the podcast. It is the 200 level from (laughs) the basement. Mike Carpenter with Trevor Belize and Harry Black. And let's start with something that I kind of ended in the opening segment. It was official on Twitter last week. No, Harry Black did not take his list down to 19 schools. No, I didn't. He did not deconnect from anywhere. But he did have an announcement on Twitter. So for those that aren't on the Twitter-versary, what's the announcement? The announcement is that starting
2: in 2020, sounds weird to call it that aside from 2020. It's bizarre. That's besides the point. <laughs> I thought but, you
1: were going to say like 2035.
2: Yeah. Just a heads up. That's what. No, that's why I told you Illinois would be playing Cal in the Rose Bowl. 2035? Yes. Okay. But no, starting at the beginning of the next year, I'm going to be taking a uh, produ- produce production assistant role
0: in uh, at ESPN in Bristol. Bristol. So I, I was saying Stanford, but that's where UConn is. Bristol, mm, Connecticut is where ESPN headquarters is. Yes. Okay. So, so I messed that up in the, at, opening the segment.
2: at the, um, uh, what is it? The mothership, if you will, in Connecticut. So yeah, awesome. got my
0: foot in the door. That's awesome. That's super cool. And I said this in the opening segment and I mean it, that I would not be surprised if five years from now you're on the midday ESPN Philadelphia. Sports. Oh my God. That's my dream. And that is your dream. But I think, I mean, when you get in with the ESPN thing and, you know, 93.5 is an affiliate technically, but if you actually get in with the mothership, their tentacles reach wide so uh, you, you gotta well you gotta <laughs> I, know, yeah, I don't like tentacles you either.
1: gotta get in the door right yeah right exactly Like i was joking if golik and wingo and yeah, wingo and, and, and junior golik yeah. all get sick on the same day then you know harry's here, higher
2: up the totem pole just four hours of uh, of hockey talk about, right yeah just all across america why why on espn national are they now talking about the philadelphia flyers will kane's cowboy show is replaced by harry black's
1: flyer show yes <laughs> Yes, to a much smaller but much more rabid audience yes. of
0: fans. Well, we'll do the official goodbyes when we when we need the, to. The tearful goodbyes in a little bit. Which I'm guessing will be at the end of the month what you're here. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving at the I haven't picked an exact
2: date yet, but I am going to I'm going to be here for New Year's, but I think I'm heading out around like the 2nd or
0: 3rd. So that means I'm Trevor's going to be I'm 30
1: through January 2nd at S- the bowl game.
0: So we're probably looking at the Post Missouri podcast. Pre-bowl podcast. So game. like December 22nd ish. Something like that. Are you I, going I could, to Florida for Christmas? Or? I'm Jewish. I don't, oh, do, right.
1: I don't go anywhere for
0: Christmas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could do 26 or 27 too. I don't know where you guys okay, are oh, at, we could, I mean, the
0: thing about Christmas is, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, pretty open. It's
1: one of those things where like you in your head kind of pre-plan like a block of days around the holiday that you assume you're going to be busy for. But then sometimes you wake up on like... December 26th, and it's like, actually, I have nothing to do today. Nothing. Right, yeah. But but in your head, it's like, well, it's the day after Christmas, so you don't schedule things, but then it's like, well, the day after Christmas actually has nothing to do with Christmas. I
2: I usually take Christmas to do what everyone always makes fun of uh, Jewish people for doing. You either get Chinese food.
1: Of course. Or you go to the movies. Or you do both. I mean, we get Chinese food sometimes on Christmas yeah. for one of
0: our meals. It's the only place that's open. we right. will be able to go see Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Uh, yeah, which yeah, we are going to get our tickets tonight for opening night. I'm excited for that. When There's does that all come these out? leaks, but none of the leaks
1: agree with one another. Yeah, see, I'm trying to avoid them, but I saw two, and the two of them were completely different uh, how it ends. So I'm, so I'm kind of excited that there is yeah, no... Yeah, my excitement certainty. level's back for yeah. it. Mine what if
2: both mean. of them are true. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> the ultimate wow. double switch.
1: They had a teaser that had Duel the Fates in it the Ooh, other day so and i darth thought maul that returns. really gets me going because of the music i mean it's yeah, such yeah. great music it is great music. i don't know that it's tied to darth maul specifically they, but...
0: they are going to throw in all the kitchen sinks oh i
1: hope so movie. hayden right. christensen better be in it as oh, a
0: ghost. That, i mean if you're
2: saying hayden <laughs> christensen do, do you want to at least a jar jar cameo that'd be mm-hmm. fantastic
1: sure, sure. <laughs> i am curious if they're going to try to take some serious attempt at tying in the prequels to everything else in a legitimate way It'd be
0: the first time they've done it i thought they, they missed, really haven't addressed them right no the missed opportunity i thought was in last jedi when they go to the planet and there's oh. random animals racing yep. on a track oh, yeah, and harry yeah. this might have been your theory i That's think what, harry said it should have been, yeah, pod, race. been yeah. pod race yeah. i was i was
2: <laughs> waiting for it and when they hear the the thumping outside <laughs> i was just thinking Oh my God. It's pod racing. There's no way it's not amazing. pod racing. But yeah. then it's and, some Instead, suddenly fake we're supposed to care animal. about like, these Right. Things. We turn
0: it into yeah. a save the environment. And then environment Rose lets thing. them free.
1: Look at them.
2: Yeah. Uh, now
0: I feel good about myself. It's I, like,
2: I, <laughs> really? I saw that movie once. I was underwhelmed. <laughs> I liked it.
0: Did, did she die? No, no, no. no. She say- Spoiler that- alert. Spoiler alert. She saved Finn, okay. Yeah. and then they're in the. That love. love thing is weird. Talk about another character I just don't care about. I, and then they got a couple of new characters. Well, that's the problem. They're these throwing and in too many it.
1: people. Like they've got—is it Lando's
0: daughter? I'm trying to think of in Return of the Jedi. Did they throw in random new characters? I mean, I mean Jabba, Lando. They had talked about Jabba, and they spent a whole segment on it. They mentioned him.
1: Boba Fett kind of was thrown in there. He but was he, in an uh, in Empire he briefly, was. Yeah. but he,
0: and he's briefly in Return of the Jedi.
1: But I mean, you see these characters like Rose. Lando's going to be back. There's the girl that seems to be with Finn that I think is Lando's daughter. That's oh,
0: I, 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 well, I mean, if that, that isn't even there. a
1: spoiler. I think I just saw that on Twitter somewhere. But like, you know, nothing significant's going to happen to the point where you actually end up caring about that character by the end of the movie,
0: right? Like, Laura Dern had about fifteen minutes of screen time, right? And Jedi. she
1: should have been replaced with. Um, Admiral Akbar. Oh, uh, yeah. He have have you, taken you, a, have you seen that? You yeah, sent it. I to think me.
0: you did. I send it to you. I thought one you one of us sent it to the other one, where
1: yeah. they fly the ship into the other ship, and then at the last second, it's Akbar's flying the ship into it, and at the last second, the Imperial troops go, "Oh no, it's a trap!"
0: Don't they just, just? Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, be and yeah. perfect. don't they just say, "Oh, by the way, Admiral Akbar died."
1: Yeah. 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 They just throw that in because she's the off. leader now. If and they said like, that about Nine
0: Nub, I'd be totally pissed off. And he better he better fly again with Lando because he's still alive.
2: So two things having to do with, I guess. With that movie uh, What was it Last Jedi Mm -hmm. Don't even remember The names of them If I don't think hard
0: Force Awakens Last Jedi Rise of Skywalker Which are good names For movies Sure There's no attack Of the clones Which is not a good Name for a movie Yeah
2: I just got Kind of like upset When they just say All of a sudden Okay Now Leia knows How to use the force First of all, that's your opportunity to kill her off because how much are you really going to be able to use her? Right, she died a couple weeks
1: after. So what I read was the original plan was for her to be the last Jedi and have this whole thing at the end of the movie circulate around her, but then she died.
0: Did she die in 2016? Yeah. And the movie came out in 2017. they had enough
1: of her scenes filmed that they could make a plot with her, but they had to restructure everything. But Ryan Johnson still wanted to feature her using the Force, even though he couldn't use her at the end of the movie, so he shoehorned in this weird Mary Poppins. (laughs) That was by far... I mean, seriously, that's one of the top ten worst moments of Star Wars. Mm. It makes no sense I I
0: would agree. It didn't bother me as much. That got so much attention. I hated it. I okay. did not like I it. At hated all. it. Well, then
2: here's the other thing that I just got to bring up. That kind of surrounds around that. How easy is it? Because now Ray, that's her name, right? Yep. Ray. Ray did it, and Luke did it when he was on Dagobah. How easy is it to learn how to use the Force? If you have, it must be
1: the easiest thing the, in that uh, universe. the within you. Oh force sensitivity. Yes. that's a thing right. I
0: learned on a Star Wars game. That if you have high force sensitivity. That means that it doesn't take that it long comes to get trained. To That's
2: you. ridiculous. Yeah. Then there should be way stronger Jedi's than there are. But here's in, the in the universe.
0: This is why TV shows are so much better at expanding narratives, mm-hmm. and why movies can be constrictive. So, The Irishman, which did you guys do your homework? Nope. I
2: watched the first part of it. Okay, I and have finals. I which is watched up, a minute of up? It. It's up until he talks to Hoffa on the phone. Okay,
0: yeah. Well, enjoy. It, okay. Hoff, dude, Pacino's so good. At He's it. No, really everyone good. Everyone, Pesci is. Oh, Pesci, yeah. He's so understated, but we'll we'll, we'll do a full Irishman uh, some other time. But I'm noticing that as I watch, you know, The Sopranos being one example, 68 episodes where you can really let everything breathe. And in Star Wars, you know, I get the issue of you know why does Ray figure this out so quickly? But at the same time, in two and a half hours, you need to kind of accelerate. Like, let's go. Yeah. We need to introduce I mean, this character. They, but in the, force the, sensitive. In, in
1: the new movies, they have no problem. I mean, Finn is wielding a lightsaber at the end of oh, First Awakens. He's and, going and, up and against goes up against Kylo. Are you force kidding me? And, and he gets his, holds his own for about thirty seconds, yeah, he, does, he shouldn't yeah.
2: be able to hold his own for any seconds. So I get what you're saying. Last
1: Jedi had some of the worst moments and some of the best moments I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. All in one, I in think my this opinion. is where
0: people you look back at the original trilogy and Han Solo, for example, all he has is the blaster. And his yeah. limitations add to his character. So, to your point about Finn, how could he stand 30 seconds with Kamala Ren? I get that uh, because that's not realistic. He should have gotten his butt kicked five seconds in. And then, in a way, we'd appreciate the character more because that would make sense. Sure. That would be accurate to it.
1: Yeah. Well, and any, you know, there's a ton, of, when you introduce a power as powerful as the Force, there's a ton of plot holes that automatically come with it. Like, anytime there's two Jedi fighting or, or a Sith and a Jedi fighting, why don't they just use the Force? Hmm. At any moment, you could knock someone back like a hundred well, feet.
2: They do that in, I think they do that in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Obi Wan and Anakin do a force battle where they're like trying right. to do it, and then they blow each other. Back. Right. It's just like yeah. it... Obi Wan's
1: fighting General Grievous on the edge of a cliff, and he's losing. And it's like, yeah, just go like that. He, Maybe that, the that metal kind of I don't creature know. I mean, is immune to it. though <laughs> I don't I,
0: know. You know, I got to be honest. I haven't seen the prequels. The Revenge of the Sith. I'd watch. Again, I rewatched. No, all, I
1: rewatched all of them before this movie. Is Attack of, Mass, of the Clones the worst. I would. Argue I would say that Attack of the Clones is the worst. I
2: would. I watched them again, and I. I always kind of thought Attack of the Clones was worse than Phantom Menace. Then I watched him again. I think Phantom Menace is that's fair. That's pretty oh, terrible. I, I, I think
1: the last twenty minutes is redeemable enough yeah. that I don't. I don't find that period in Attack of the Clones because the end doesn't do it for me. There's yeah. just a
0: big CGI battle. There's like if a, I just recall. a giant
1: mosh pit of just blah, like yeah. just clones it's everywhere, not... blasters everywhere, dust everywhere. It's not as good
2: as Duel of the Fates. I, th- it's, I mean, that is probably one of the best lightsaber fights in the entire. Mm-hmm. What do you call the Star saga? Wars canon? Yeah. In in any Star Wars movie... The Skywalker saga is what they're deeming the nine. Which is, I think, just stupid. You're just plopping that name on it at the very end. I I I mean, that is what it is, though. But okay, here and then bringing it back to the Force being that easy to learn. Mm -hmm. You then have Anakin, who is apparently one of the most midichlorian rich people ever. And it takes him like 18 years to learn how to use the Force, and then he still gets whooped by Luke, who learned it in a day?
0: Hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, apparently. God, I don't like Star Wars. No, I, ah. I get that. At the end of the day I, mean, the, I yeah. You know, there's just the, not the, many good movies in the saga, but yet we no. love it. I mean we talked about this
1: last time, but the, the macro view of it for me is a lot of these movies are either poorly written or poorly acted in and there's a lot of like Mark Hamill's fine. But the first two movies, it's like I said, he's like in a Teen Beach movie or something. He's not a great actor. Force Force
0: Awakens and Last Jedi are well made movies. Like they look great and the acting is serviceable. It's better than really probably most Star Wars movies, the acting. Mm -hmm. But, you know, do we care about these characters? And I think the test of time will ultimately tell us whether or not this was a good trilogy or not.
1: Sure. It feels a little bit like Michigan football, right? Where it's like, (laughs) you're you're looking at this this is the greatest saga of all time. And then you actually watch them micro and you're like, This saga is like 8 and 4, 9 and 3. It's not 11 and 1.
3: And I'm
0: not a Harry Potter guy, but apparently all those movies are exceptionally made for the most part. And then you could look at, I mean, the Avengers or the Marvel movies, exceptionally made. But I do think that there is some pull to Star Wars, some emotional pull that the others lack i'd and agree with that I, I don't know what that is whether it, for that's me, the passage of
1: time or the right, fact right. that it was like the first of any of those things i don't know
0: more revolutionary certainly than the other two
2: what would you say now and i, I think i know the answer because star wars turned into this massive thing but i think harry potter it's i don't know if it's quite on the same level but if you're taking another saga and saying it's as successful both in the quality of the movies made which i think harry potter is probably a little bit better they both will have nine movies
1: right by the end of this year and harry
2: potter's boat is is probably better as a whole than star wars is as a whole which one do you think has had a larger cultural impact that's a great question
1: i mean probably star wars just because as my dad or anyone else would describe going to see the first one you didn't even know this was possible yeah Whereas by the time what was Harry Potter like 2001 1999 or something, 19, I think was the first okay. one. Okay, at that point you had some concept of like CGI and magic stuff already being yeah. done, like Lord of the Rings. You already had or John like
0: Williams it. who had had a bajillion right. major themes, and then he comes up with another one. It's amazing, but it's the a fair comment. Yeah, he's so good, by the yeah. way. he um, and Hans Zimmer, an underrated one's the Superman theme. That's a great, yep. great theme yep. song. Because I was just watching Seinfeld that had it on earlier. But no, to the Star Wars question, and what a way to start this segment yes. of the podcast. We're you know twelve minutes <laughs> into doing the end of the beginning. I guess <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is okay because the first opening segment. I mean, talking about Illinois, Maryland, we need a bit of a breather from it. Sure. But with Star Wars, I think Force Awakens is the highest grossing film of all time. But I think worldwide. a lot of that is hype. I do, the the long time away yeah. from it. I'm just thinking that that alone might be a measurement that for far-reaching, for as far-reaching as these franchises are, Star Wars still has the larger footprint. Yeah. Maybe. I'd agree yeah. with that. Well, it's just,
2: I was thinking about both of them because you think of, of uh, Star Wars obviously had that initial impact like you said Trevor how when it came out everyone was thinking we've never seen anything like this and that's not really the case with Harry well, Potter they had books you
1: already knew what happened you already knew what happened out. in I mean, that
2: but it was kind of the first wizarding movie I remember that I, I mean I remember
1: waiting in line at pages for all ages for, <laughs> yeah. for the seventh book yeah. I, I wasn't even that into it, but there was a line out the door and down to like schnooks yeah. for the seven Midnight releases, yeah, right? For when it came out, yeah. With kids lining up at yep. midnight yep. for a book.
2: It was one of those first kind of huge, I guess the one you can draw a comp to with that would be like it kind of was Twilight before Twilight because it was the first yeah, one Yeah, you had like Twilight books. and
1: Hunger Games, but Harry Potter was bigger than Definitely that. Definitely
2: bigger. And then the other thing I think is that, you know, just in real life, Star Wars then has an impact over at Disney World. They have Star Wars part of, um, of Hollywood Studios. Well, then Harry Potter comes out and does
1: the same Universal, exact thing yeah. over at Universal. Yeah. Well, so, this
0: would go into the Martin Scorsese, the idea that these movies are like theme park rides. Yes. Essentially, which and they and sometimes they on. would, which literally they are. are theme yeah. park rides,
1: uh, especially if you pay attention to the subplots. Yeah. Like again, the racing thing with the CGI animals. Yeah, it's yeah. like I just. It's like they just threw it in there to throw it in there. I'm so pro character development and so against things like that that I yeah. didn't like
0: that. And but. I give Ryan Johnson credit because Knives Out, by the way, is supposed to be an amazing. I can't movie wait to ride. see that. I haven't, haven't seen yet. it. Okay. Juan just saw it today.
1: He just saw it today and he said, sweet, when I asked him how it was. So and Juan has good awesome taste in movies. He actually does. He yes. has really good taste Except in movies. Except, he, he loves the. Um, <laughs> oh, that's okay, though. He, he loves the teen movies. horror flicks. So he yeah. said that he saw a trailer today for one called Black Christmas.
0: Well, that's a remake of an old 70s okay. slash. But it's movie. like
1: girls in a sorority house and then suddenly there's a guy with an axe in the closet. Oh, that's the
0: best kind of. For movie, some reason, yeah. he loves Gratuitous those nudity. Yeah. All yeah. that, yeah. I'm sure. Right, right. I mean, it's marketing to a certain segment of the audience. Escape
1: room. Or they're stuck in the escape Uh, room, but then the actual threat, yeah.
0: He loves The Purge. The Purge. I haven't seen The Purge. (laughs) But you see, I think he knows they aren't quality. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing when he goes into it. Like, there was Happy Death Day. (laughs) They made Happy (laughs) Death Day, too.
1: It was like like Groundhog Day. (laughs) Which is supposed to be a funny movie, actually. But it was the day that she dies. Yeah. So she just keeps living it over and over again. I I
0: saw that as a preview for It. Chapter One. Mm-hmm. A friend yeah. and I went. We just thought this has to be some sort of joke, but I think the filmmakers made it as a joke. So well, if there's self awareness yeah, involved, that's fine. I'm fine with sure. it. Sure. It was one of those weird situations
2: where it was a movie. It was a. Uh, I think it was like kind of a horror-ish movie, but it was more like thriller slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wasn't really taking itself seriously, and then a lot of people just happened to really like it. And, and I guess you maybe find a a, a movie type that hadn't really be do- been done before. Like obviously, well, it's like
1: the opposite of Get Out. Which was okay. In terms of that was a horror movie that was trying to take itself so seriously yeah. that it was like cultural norms and yeah, And it did, different... it did its job. Yeah.
0: It was I thought really it was well a done. good movie. I I'm like not going to
1: go
2: little... revisit it. I thought it was a little overrated.
1: I thought it was fine. I haven't seen Us, but I know that it was just meh. And I've seen his Twilight Zones. They're not good. Yeah. well the Beals originals Strider. are just hard to beat yeah they, but, but I mean I've, I saw two of them and they're just weird
0: okay I mean he's he's almost a victim of his own I feel like he's expectations bought into of himself he, yep. well maybe that but also the fact that expectations are heaped on this guy like he is the next yeah, great horror director right. and he might have had a couple good ones but the guy is Ari Aster who did Midsummer, mm-hmm, which I haven't seen which, yet which I gotta see good movies. You guys are naming all these
2: good movies, and I just got Disney Plus, and I was watching You're like Monsters Inc. <laughs> and yeah. the hey, Monsters
1: Inc. Is again. Great. Pixar movies. I have are fantastic. a long Pixar list. After I listen to you and Chuck talk, I have a long list of movies that I haven't seen that you guys mentioned. That well, I've Taxi Driver, to... you watched. Right? I saw Taxi, Taxi Driver. Driver uh, there will be blood. I've got that on my list. You haven't. That's nope. my
0: number one movie of all time. I'm not the best. It. Have you
2: seen There Will Be Mud? Yeah, I've seen that many times. That one's pretty good. No, I, I there's one about cows it. called There Will Be Crud.
0: Really? Uh, no, Cud. Damn it. I screwed it up. There's two on Cud. There's <laughs>
2: one at the where it's actually about movie theaters called There Will Be, and then parentheses, milk, duds.
1: Good lord. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's one about Ben Carson, the secretary of the Housing and Urban Development, called There Will Be HUD. There's one about <laughs> potatoes called There Will Be Spuds. <laughs>
2: It's <laughs> like the third week in a row we've mentioned soap. There's another one
0: about loofahs and soap called <laughs> There Will Be Suds. suds. Hey, okay. and there's another one about my transitions on the show. Well, there will be thuds because oh, that's oh, how my transitions that's, usually that's, land there you go. Yes, as soon as there we get we back into sports. Wow, what a detour. <laughs> I just said, hey, you should go see Star Wars over Christmas. <laughs> 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 and that ends with there will be suds. When I first say, hey, uh, what are you going to do for Christmas? And You're like, I don't uh, celebrate hmm,
2: it. I'm, I'm of a different uh, nationality persuasion. What's your favorite thing to order from a Chinese restaurant?
1: <sighs> I, go, all I go General So's chicken.
2: I get General Sao's Sao, chicken. whatever yeah. the name is. I don't know. Well, it's it's all the same stuff. I mean, I it remember- It kind of is. It's I, like
1: sweet and sour, General Sao, spicy Kung Fu chicken or something. I was something. at- Kung um, Pao.
2: Kung Pao, not Kung Fu. Kung Fu, <laughs> Kung Fu chicken. chicken. They just throw it at you. I was at the- um, I was like a derogatory I'm just trying name to keep, for Yeah, restaurant. I'm just trying to keep up with uh, cliches. and. I was in- um When I was in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Reading Terminal Market, and there was this Chinese kind of like little booth where they had Chinese food, but they didn't have any pictures up there. And it wasn't like, you know, pork fried rice or anything like that. It, and, and I'm going to bastardize. Like the names authentic names. Yeah. Okay. It was like, you know, faux du young and parsnip cone. I'm like, what or is this? How am I supposed <laughs> to know what I am ordering? There's no pictures here. This isn't China. I don't know what I'm looking for. What'd you get? Hot and sour soup. A1. A a I, I saw <laughs> yeah. there's, a, Item a there's a an one. egg soup or something like egg drop soup. Egg drop soup. That's we good. Just I've drop had an it egg before. It. That's, That's crazy. It's
0: good. Well, I don't like Chinese food very much. I got to admit. Oh, okay. Well,
2: it's good because, you know, Americanized Chinese food isn't Chinese. Sure. But then again, if I have not had the legit stuff. There's a place called Golden Harbor in town which people rave about. Okay. Dim sum is really good if you've ever gotten dim sum. It's hmm. it's authentic uh, like Chinese lunchtime food. Hmm. Dim sum? It's it's the name of the food, not the name of the restaurant.
3: <laughs> I feel like there's a joke <laughs> dim, with that. dim you know, sum.
0: <laughs> Cuz it sounds like slang or something you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to leave that right there with my Kung Fu comment. Talk about a transition landing with a thud again. (laughs) We all watched the game Saturday. I mean, Harry, you're more of a football guy, but you watched. I watched it. So now I I think the psychological aspect I can get from you, because here's the deal. I removed myself from my typical Illini inferiority complex for this game. I thought they were going to win because they were the better team for the majority of that game. And that they had had previous success against Maryland. I thought this might be lightning in a bottle. This is the matchup that works. And it worked again until the end. Yeah. When did you, Harry, or did you, I guess would be the question, know that, okay, this team is tightening up a little bit too much? Or did you get the sense that Illinois was blowing it? Before your eyes. It's
2: weird because after this moment, they didn't start to relinquish the lead. I think this is the moment a lot of people are going to point to, even though after this moment, I think they were up by 11 and it got back up to as much as what, like 15, 16, 15 was the peak.
0: Yeah, I think. And I think at this point you were up
2: by 11. It was when you had the three free throws and you missed two of them and you only made one of them. And yeah, I don't but know the, why. You, you kind of you, you that did, tide, you so. did, but that's the kind of fir- okay, that, all that's right. why carp asked stretching that oh, yeah, weed, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. When I thought that, the same thing. It was it was a perfect opportunity. You had to um to to kind of not put it away because obviously that wouldn't have done
1: it. Well, it, it was forty five to thirty one. Forty five, thirty one a half. No, I'm saying when you were going to take those at, free throws. That's
0: correct. I think it was something like that where you could have taken a 17-point lead. Yeah, it could have been like 48 yeah.
1: or 49 to 31, and instead you miss two You three. Miss, and it's not then just— they hit a three. Yeah, and, and then suddenly that suddenly it's of, like 45-37 or something. Yeah, and it
2: just kind of made me feel— I think mean, that's right. It, it just kind of gave you the feeling of maybe— That's when I started to think they were tightening up. And the first time I was—because you're watching it, you're watching it. And I'm just—the way I'm thinking about it as I'm watching is— I'm imagining watching the bottom of the screen, if I'm watching a different game, seeing number three is down by such-and-such to an unranked team, thinking, Mm -hmm. well, when are they going to come back? And that's what I was trying to think of it as. And I didn't really think—I was kind of trying to tell myself, well, Illinois, I mean, it looks like they're getting it done. And this is terrible to say, because I thought Trent had a pretty good game, Mm -hmm. but when he missed his only free throw of the game— Five for six. You see that bounce out, and you just think, oh, no. And, it was, I mean, mm. the, the shot, it was just one of those things It bounced. Maybe it was an inch too long or an inch, inch too short. And it just kind of rattles around. They get the ball. I think they go down. They get a shot. And you just kind of think, it's. I I don't feel good about this at this Interesting point. Interesting you say that. Though. When he made the first one, I thought, well, okay. And, and, and it was it, also the point. It was, it was the fact that Dockage, like, might have must have said it like a hundred times. This is the guy you want on the line. Throw, oh, assuming, my. Yeah. And you just think. He's not going to make six of six in a row. And, you know, that's crazy to say. But he did his job, though. He did his job. If you look out of all the
0: guys that was consistent throughout that game, Trent would have been it.
2: Either Trent or Kipper. Kipper had a good second half. Unbelievable. He had a really good second
0: half. And... What is puzzling to me, though, is how this team is finding ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, mm-hmm. and namely against Maryland, two times in the last three years, yep. games that if you would have had that little percentage predictor on ESPN, of that, you have this percent chance of winning. And when you're up seven with three minutes to go, probably would have been somewhere around 85 or something like that, well, even it on was, the road. It was at the 90s with like a minute left. Right, exactly, because you had the ball. Let, let me try to get this right here. You had the ball up three with, I think, a minute it was to go.
1: 58 to 55 with 59 seconds left and you
0: what called, happened in the position a,
1: you called a timeout correct right, right as you brought the ball up so you have two timeouts left you missed. called a timeout so you have 59 seconds left essentially drop a play if you make a shot you're up by two possessions with probably 40 seconds left and it's going to start becoming the foul game that's right.
2: what i thought it was i was waiting for it to become the foul game and the clock kind of goes lower and lower right. i'm like this is going to just be basically who has the ball last
1: now this is because Georgie pulled down that offensive rebound and didn't kick it out. Yeah, remember, uh, and then you had the thing where he was tied up with Merrill. Kind of
0: swings an elbow, maybe they didn't. They found they out didn't the end movie. up he calling was fine,
1: anything. Yeah. But if he kicks it out, then you've got even another possession on top of this. But the point is, whatever play they drew up, and it's hard to know after a timeout when a coach draws up a play if what you're seeing on the court is actually what was just called. Right. Cause it's, it's easy for me to say, well, that was a terrible call by Underwood. Georgie airballed a, a hook shot from six feet, but I don't know if that was what Underwood wanted him to do. Either way, he was working on his offhand against Jalen Smith, who for some reason was being called Stick Smith the entire game. I thought it was a different person. By whom? The both announcers. Everyone called him Stick. I
0: didn't hear the second half. I was I, I, I don't understand Huber's where sword. that came
1: from. But anyways, he airballs it with 59 seconds. So then they go down. And at this point, there's like 40 seconds left uh somehow the ball goes out of bounds and they inbound it and Cowan hits the the deep 3 but the frustrating part for me after that there's a lot of frustrating parts but when there's like when 20- he made
0: the 3 what was when he made the three, the it was mind. kind
1: of just like, an well, of course, of course, is like, my he's thought a too. really, really good player. He's ranked number one in the nation on Ken Palm. So it's, it, you know, he says like, well, you got to close out. It's a thirty-five foot yeah, exactly. three. Exactly. Like, you close know.
0: out, then you open the lane, and there's still <laughs> right, enough time like,
1: where they can turn it into a yeah, foul. Yeah, and I game. don't remember who was guarding him. Maybe it was Trent. I don't really blame Trent for not like getting up in his grill when it's a thirty-five foot no, three.
0: I'll give him that shot. Even Anthony Cowan, I'll give him that. Yeah.
2: Was there a, a, a possession before the one where Georgie got tied up where you kind of had a similar? You didn't. You uh, the shot clock ran out. There was yeah, so, two possessions in a row where it looked like yeah, that happened.
1: About the last five four minutes of the game, I got the sense that Illinois was trying to run out the clock and which play, is not never to good, lose, which I don't understand, and they should never ever do. You know this this mindset of you know the toughness and Underwood and the everyday guys like that's the opposite no, this of was, that.
0: This is gross
1: light. Yeah, the running out the clock certainly is. I mean, you saw that many times against even competition like Rutgers, where you'd be up six with four minutes left, and somehow. Then with 30 seconds left, the game is tied, and you're like,
2: how did we get here? <laughs> now, the, the the thing with this, and I mean, I know football way better than I know basketball, obviously. I know not a ton about basketball, and we can sit here and say it's it's easier to play not to, or play, uh, it's you should always play to win, play not to lose. It kind of seems to me similar to running the prevent defense, where you're going to sure. notice where it doesn't work, because they're picking you apart down the field, but that's also, nine times out of ten, what wins games for these teams, when a team has a fourth and ten that they don't convert on their own, you know, 35 yards yard line late in the game a lot of times you're able to run the clock low they're not going to hit the 35 foot three and then you just win the foul game
1: right and i get that but there's a certain difference between but i definitely yeah i agree with i mean there were two of those possessions ended in io backing up towards half court with like six on the shot clock and neither possession ended well yeah i mean there's there's a there's a middle ground between playing prevent defense but then ultimately stopping them from getting in the end zone and literally lining up all 11 defenders on the five yard line yeah just saying hey don't cross this line (laughs) because because i mean you you know there's a middle way to play it yeah but you're right if cowan doesn't hit that three and you get the rebound, there's probably 15 seconds left. You're up by three, and they foul you. Well, there was a yeah. miss
0: three right before Cowan and where you just Correct. get the rebound, and then you get fouled. Yeah, but they and, get I mean, an
1: offensive rebound.
0: And, but this is one of those things, too, where there is a sort of butterfly effect where every play that happened before that really led you to that moment sure. and that you could have avoided that moment entirely letting the number one player in Ken Palm yeah. even get a shot. And it started 20 seconds.
1: for some reason about under four minutes is where it started, for me at least, where you had the running out the clock thing where I'm like... What is has You know, it very much felt like when they were up, I think it was like 57 to 50. It very much felt like just let's try and kill this clock. Let's try and get out of here. And I don't understand if that came from Brad or where that came from because they weren't playing that way the first. You know, I was worried that they were going to come out in the second half and not have that same punch them in the mouth effort. They did for the first like 15 minutes of the second and, half, and then, then for some reason, they just kind of laid up all the. a sudden. Well, they would adopt
0: whatever the, the game plan is or whatever the attitude that goes with that game plan. So if you are playing essentially the prevent defense for basketball, it's only natural that then beca- you become almost like hyper-aware of the score yeah. and the time, right. you yep. can't screw it up. Just you know, uh, Maybe we'll get lucky and get a shot with five seconds left in the shot clock. As a fan, I even get into the mindset of watching the seconds tick off and thinking, mm-hmm. my God, you're only two minutes. It's, it's only yeah, natural, five. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you, you can't
1: just... do that as Io or Andres Feliz when there's three minutes left. You can't just go, okay, we're going to run out this clock. And I don't know where that switch came, but it happened somewhere in between like eight and four minutes left in the game, and I ultimately think that's what cost them the game.
2: And the three by Cowan doesn't bother. I mean, obviously, it bothers me. Fundamentally, because, yeah, it, bothers yeah, it, bothers it bothers me. me it but, like, <laughs> you know. but if you watch the rest of that game, there was it did seem there was a lot of times <clears throat> throughout the, uh, the second half that they were missing – open threes and it kind of felt like wow maryland or illinois maryland yeah maryland no one was making threes but especially maryland and i'm thinking i agree wow you are playing well but they are also missing a lot of shots and that last one kind of seemed like well they were going to get one eventually it's just why did it have to come now
1: it wasn't one of those games where an aubrey dawkins is knocking down nine threes and you're like oh my why that you know like that wasn't happening throughout that game things were going illinois way for the most part there weren't i mean i know there were some calls back and forth on both sides that were missed or, or made but but there Even wasn't that, there much. wasn't one you know like i predicted before the game that eric ayala was going to score like 35 and it would just annoy <laughs> the crap out of you sure but there wasn't that player or moment other than the Cowan three late where you felt like oh mm-hmm. my god like no matter what illinois does they just can't stop him
0: yeah yeah i felt that way too what was weird about watching that game is i had this weird calm and what i said in the opening segment is that i have This new thing I've adopted as a fan, which some would interpret as being a Fairweather fan, that you, uh, I'm I'm dipping my toes in the water. What did John Gross say? Ten toes in. Ten toes in. I'm like two toes in. That's a terrible way to surfboard, by the way. You're always
1: going to fall into the water. Exactly. (laughs) I don't think it was a surfboarding analogy. It was like a pool analogy. Like you're, you're, ten, you're, you know, you're all, both your feet are in.
2: Yeah. So I guess if you're just anytime you're in a pool, your ten toes. In. Sure. Yeah, I mean, your yeah. ten fingers in, your two shoulders. I mean, it was one of those I mean, stupid
0: things he put on a wristband and pretended it was profound. Hey,
2: hey, those wristbands are awesome, Oski. By the way, you still have yours, right? Uh, I think it's back at the station. Oh, you got to get that before you go. I do. Okay. That's a memento. That is. a yeah. What about your jersey? I have like five. Oh jer- yeah. Oh, I'm keeping one at the at the station. Okay. Um. Yeah. uh Well. Um. Whatever I? you want. Is it still there?
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: Good. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that my South Park figurines are on the way. Yeah, there. there's a lot of stuff there. Up.
1: I don't know. I no one pays attention to it. I, I took guess. the Tank car bobblehead I got it
0: upstairs. Sure. I, I have like, let me
2: see. I my brother has one of my jerseys. I have like three of mine. I have one that's framed. I have one my parents have two of them. Uh, I, have, I have a bold jersey one, which is really Ooh, cool. Not nice. a patch? That? What? Yeah, with the patch and everything. Nice, uh, and I—oh I, my god—I have a um, a fat head of myself <laughs> at a practice, <laughs> at a practice, right? And I'm standing up and I'm pointing someone out, and in this practice. We were wearing our jerseys hmm. and I'm wearing my bowl jersey. So in the nice. head, it looks like I'm in a game pointing yeah. someone out. A That's genuine
0: awesome. Zaxby's Heart of Dallas 2014. Z- yeah, bowl he's identifying
2: fathead. the mic on I Louisiana am. Tech's wow. defense. I am. I was always identifying the mic. And then Coach Bratton would say, like in film, I always did it so early mm-hmm. that Coach Bratton would say, Harry, what are you doing? Because the film would start like a second afterwards. Yeah. Say, Harry, why aren't you pointing out the mic? I was like, I just did, Coach, <laughs> because I'm that good.
1: Oh, so you were too far ahead.
2: Yeah. I would call okay. it out immediately, and then that was before the film would actually I like start. it
1: when when the when the mic is right up near the line of scrimmage, and the guy's pointing right at him, and you can kind of tell that he's
2: he looks like he's just been accused. 59's the <laughs> mic, and you see 59 right there like, no, I'm not. I had this, this is kind of a side, uh, side note, years ago, and I don't know why I remember this. I was playing Madden, and you know how sometimes it's just an animation where the linebacker will come up, and he's standing there, and then sometimes he'll like point to the right and left, and he'll mm-hmm. just kind of one time i was doing, i was playing i think i had the bears i think i had mark uh no 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 it was eagles i had mark simino was my linebacker and he was doing that pointing thing and as he was pointing they snapped it and they threw an offsides flag for my guy's hand being oh. in the neutral zone, <laughs> and I and I looked at the replay. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" That's funny.
0: It's like you didn't even choose this animation. Yeah. This was totally <laughs> it's automated. The
2: computer made this entire thing
0: happen. It concocted it, fabricated it. Well, we can get a whole thing about how the computer on oh, NCAA I, I football. Oh I said, "You guys, those videos." Oh my! I, I it. Yeah, yeah, it was, oh, my <laughs>
2: God. I was wa- playing that game, laughing. I was like, "There's no way." Oh, my uh, goodness. Anyway, it's yeah. back to the
1: game. The ten yeah. toes in, yeah, the so, two yeah. toes so, in you know like the, the last four minutes was a feeling of impending doom, and I'm not saying that in hindsight as a negative I, I staved that off, though. Okay, all right. And, and the I, way
0: that I did, I think, is this new approach I'm taking, which, again, can be interpreted as fair-weather fan, but I don't really care what, what people think of me as a fan. Uh, but I was enjoying the game for what it was and thinking, oh, well, maybe this could be a corner-turning game. If they win. But I didn't have the emotional reaction to it because I've yet to see anything from this team to say, as John Gross would, that I'm going to put 10 toes in. That's fair. Two toes in, and if you give me a win against Maryland, if they close that game out, I'm back in it ready so for mission. So you're Michigan saying you weren't
1: invested it. enough to care that much? No, exactly. Where which it sounds ended, bad, but I get what you're saying.
0: It ended, and I probably had about a minute and a half, two minutes where the blood kind of rushed back to my head a little bit, and I started thinking, Gah, you know, blah, 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 you know, Underwood this and timeout that, which we'll get to the timeout situation in a second. But, uh, other than that, I just kind of moved on. Okay. And for me, it's just a very simple formula now. If you don't beat Michigan. You got to win, yeah. You are in deep trouble. Yes, yes. Because this team would then be looking at a 2020 where they need to go on a crazy rampage through the Big Ten. And as good as the Big Ten's looking, it's good news, bad news situation. You got more quality wins out there. But come on. When Penn State comes to town, how confident are you going to be? When was the last time when we Ruckers, beat them at home? When Rutgers comes to town, the way they performed at Michigan State last night. How confident are you going to be against anyone the way this team's playing? For me, they're going to stumble, so they need to get quality wins.
1: I'd agree with that. There's enough games left just simply from quantity that I'm not like immediately concerned that they have no chance to turn it around. But based on what we're seeing, it's frustrating because I was trying to wrestle with this idea in my head of are they bad or good at being clutch? Clearly, they're bad this year at being clutch. But then if you say, say the least. if you say Underwood is bad in the clutch, it's like, well, there was a four-game stretch last year where you beat Michigan State in the clutch. You went to Ohio State and closed them out in the clutch. I mean, there's examples last year of them being really, really good in the clutch, and then there's more examples of bad. So I don't know. I, I hesitate to put the label on Underwood as a coach or a guy like Iowa as a player that they can't finish because we saw it like five times last year that they were really good at finishing. So it's like, well, you know, it, 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 I don't know. I wrestle with that in my head as to why this is happening in year three because it's it's it's, it's a – It's reminiscent of year one, but you saw better things in year two, and now it's almost like you've returned to that in year three.
0: I think that this team is essentially an 18-win team. That's what
1: Ken Palm has them at right now is 18 and 14.
0: Which is not good given the circumstances. So to your point, you're right. They closed some games last year. They did. I mean, big games. They, They did. Number three, Michigan State. You closed against them. But this is what concerns me looking at that run that they had in a bubble. Or actually, no, sorry, not in a bubble. In context of everything. Is that you still had a three-week stretch at the end of the season where you started sucking again. Now yeah. that is yeah. that at the moment could have been explained as young team, team figuring sucks, it out. Yeah. Right. Or it could have been explained that, you know, you have these coaches and they start figuring it out. When I look at the way the teams approach Illinois and Brad Underwood's Illinois team specifically, I find that there are just as many offensive droughts as there were under John Gross. That alarms me because Underwood was the offensive guru and I don't see it. And we've yet to see it for sustained stretches. Uh, Defensively, it's so erratic where you will get the performance at Maryland, where you play good defense for the most part, the entirety. And then you have the Miami game where you play 20 minutes of non-existent defense. It's
1: ironic that that the label on him is everyday guys, the thing that he's created, right? They're so inconsistent. If you could describe his program at Illinois in one thing, it would be that they are the opposite of everyday guys. And that's not like a personal shot at them showing up to practice or something. I just mean it is wildly erratic and inconsistent, like you just said.
0: Which is so weird because you you do look at them and for 20 minutes I thought, okay, the team as they're playing right now, and it's easy to say this when you're up 15 on the road against the number three team in the nation. But I thought, well, hold on a second. I know Maryland's number three. I thought it was going to be a fairly competitive game based on past history with these teams. Yeah. And the fact that I don't think Maryland's number three.
1: I, th- I was going to add that. like, I, They're a top they're 15 They're number team. three, but like, if you walk away from that game with a one-point win, are you really measuring that the same as Nick Anderson's shot against Indiana? Because that was the last time you beat a top five team on the road. That
2: like, surprised me, by the way. I mean, I could just with how good
0: you had been, you know, over that ten-year stretch. When was it, ninety-seven to oh-six? Well, I think about most of the big wins. Illinois in ninety-eight through oh-six, when they had that run in the Big Ten. The Big Ten, for the most part, was down, with yeah. the exception of Michigan State, Wisconsin, Michigan was not very good. Indiana was the tail end of Bobby Knight into the Mike Davis era, so they were iffy. Yeah. They would make the tournament, but you know, they're sort of like what you would call. Well no, Purdue. I mean Purdue was struggling. I'm trying to think. I mean, that was a very top heavy Big Ten where it was Illinois, Michigan State, year in, year out. And for the most part, you would play at Michigan State. They might be fifteenth or twentieth. They were not top five. Well, like when they you beat
1: Wisconsin at Wisconsin finally in '09, I think they were like top fifteen. But 2010, not top five. I think. Yeah, 2010. The, the, that's right. Yeah. the four after
2: days after, after the game, the whole orange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what it really boils down to is that you know, top five is. I mean, that's that's cream of the crop. Yeah, was, I mean, yeah, yeah, even but, our yeah, win but, against but, but the Wisconsin game was was a, uh, in football that was number six. So sure. just see how high you know. How much it really takes? To get I guess a I mean I didn't win.
1: I didn't get the senses watching that game that they were about to topple like a monster. Yeah, no, exactly. Maryland's a really really good team, but I didn't feel like you know Duke has been ranked number three, Kentucky's been ranked number three. I didn't feel like that was the type of win that they were on the precipice of a- had
0: getting. Had it been Ohio State the way they're playing now, holy crap! I mean that that team yeah. right now is. You look at Chris Holtman. I'd have to look at the hiring timeline. But well, he was he was, he was the year. same
1: offseason as Underwood and um, Miller, and they Indiana. closed
0: Ohio State closed out on Holtman pretty quickly. They did. I'd have to check if that was before or after Brad Underwood. But I think it
1: was after because Thad Mata retired suddenly. That's and right. and they pivoted to Holton, who knew it was at Butler, but it wasn't like it was a, a great option. No one was enthused by that. I'll
0: tell you what, the Archie Miller storyline is going to be interesting. That's not really. No, they
1: got yet. blown out at Wisconsin. That hasn't really panned out. No. So I mean, not they, yet, at and least. they
0: are a kind of program that would fire him after three years. They'd say it ain't working. See you. Yeah. And that was someone that I thought, oh, that's the home run hire because it was tournament success. We're seeing that doesn't always translate to Indiana, though. Indiana, the longer they go. Post-Bob Knight, they're becoming the Nebraska football of Big Ten basketball, yep. the formerly great program that they're okay, but they're kind of living on past glories, mm-hmm. right? But with Illinois, the thing that concerns me is that we're in this really weird kind of purgatory that if they don't make the tournament this year, you probably, and I say probably, you don't, let's be honest, fire Brad Underwood right. unless it's a disaster.
1: But I don't really know what you'd
0: do. I don't know what you do either because there's probably I mean, you, a contractual you, thing going right. on here. And
1: you accrue more talent and hope that it works, but you have the same amount of a talent talent accrued right now and it's not working. So Right. And
0: then in all likelihood, I mean, the way this is projecting and I said this in the opening segment, my version of purgatory is in line i fan. And this is no personal offense to IO. Okay, but you get him back for another year yep, you at lose the expense Adam. of losing three sure. years of Adam Miller. Who goes to Michigan and tortures you firsthand. And then we try to get sold as a fan base in the offseason that, hey, guys, they're all back. We know this year wasn't what we, we wanted it to be. Now we're going to figure it out. And if it's Brad Underwood as your coach, there wouldn't be a lot of evidence, if they in fact go 18 to 14, that he, he can not figure it out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's this weird feeling I have. Yeah. It's a lot like John, John Gross, year 5. That's fair.
1: You're kind of just stuck right now. You're stuck. And the only thing you can do is hope that the raw talent on the team eventually turns it around. Because, I mean, you saw it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the raw talent wasn't there for 35 minutes of Maryland. but there's some, And you pointed back to last year, and I think it was the Penn State game at home when the Fly and Illini were back. And that was the Great game. opportunity to keep a good vibes Yeah, so that going, was the right? game after that four-game win streak. And I know that two of them were Ohio State and um, Michigan State. I'm forgetting who the other two were.
2: Was one of them – <sighs> well pull it up here was that the first easier win was that penn state game your first loss after that streak because i remember you also had you had the the crowd was feeling good and you you had the loss at penn state that that was at the end of the year though no no was that afterward i thought i thought they
1: bookended that winning streak no the penn state loss on the road was like the last game of the season okay but the point is, after that four game, or maybe it was four and five, it was some stretch like that, but I don't remember a marquee win other than Ohio State and Mich- Michigan State. It might have been like Northwestern and Minnesota or you something. You had
2: two close wins in there. I remember you played Wisconsin pretty close, but that, like, did, until there was like three minutes, minutes left the by po- like 15. So,
1: so right. So you win four in a row. You lose that Wisconsin game by, I think, five or six at you Wisconsin. played well. yeah. And then you come home against Penn State. You had a week off. It's a Saturday game. The Fly and Illini are back. Penn he- State. Here's what, here's what, yeah, four, yeah four game win streak,
0: you. lost to Wisconsin by six. Okay. So then and then five around. nights, five days later, it's a right. Saturday at home against Penn and State. Yeah.
1: It, it ended up being closer in the final score than it actually indicated, but they punked you in yeah. that game. And I would point to that if we're a year from now discussing the type of purgatory that you're talking about, Carp. I would point to that game and go, that's where I think from a coaching standpoint, something's wrong. Because I don't understand how that group can win four out of five. Be feeling pretty good after you almost beat a ranked Wisconsin team on the road. Come home to a Penn State team that is in the bottom three of the league and just have them embarrass you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that you, that you point to in the macro picture of things and go, what was that? Like, like that, that is not an excusable loss, in my opinion. And if you
0: think about it, so the, the time you felt good about this stretch would have been up through February 18th last year. You still had essentially a month of basketball after that where the only ones that you had were against Northwestern. And he had some bad losses in there. Right, They right. Punked you twice. Keep right. in so mind. Right. The so they punked the, you on the last the day of the were, regular season. The, the point the is, no,
1: after no, no. three really good weeks, you have two really subpar weeks, ending with that Northwestern win at home, that was like 79-75 or something. And they had nobody. You know, Miller Cop and someone else. Oh, yeah. And it's like <laughs> and, and You walk Top, away oh from that God. game, and it's a win, but it's yeah.
0: like something is wrong. Wait, yeah, was exactly. there
2: was there a Northwestern win before the tournament? Yes
0: the last game yes. of the season at home was So a you played
2: them win. two games in a row then two no, out of three there was played... a road
0: game at Penn State where they sp-
1: yeah okay it. okay so, so you go low, close okay, gotcha. home win against Northwestern which shouldn't happen yeah you go getting punked on the road by Penn State which and then, then it should... takes overtime, overtime. and over it was Feliz
2: missed the layup yes it was a wide open followed layup by too. a 30
1: something point loss to Iowa oh my so god the, the point is like it's okay to say that that happened because that was technically the worst team in Illinois history record wise but I don't understand how you can let it go to that depth after three weeks of that height if you're a good coach. I don't
0: understand it either. And
1: I'm not ready to call that like the indictment on his whole era here yet. But to your point, if we're sitting here a year from now at their 18 and 14 with a first round exit in the NIT, you know, it's like uh, that 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 to me is like that was a point where I go, okay, that's an identifier that something's wrong.
0: And I hate that we're here a month into the season. We're a full month plus into the season. And I'm not sure what I'm watching.
1: You know and, and to it's me, very confusing I don't know how to summarize it the personally. pit
0: in my stomach feeling is that this feels so much like John Gross years two three and five his fourth year that was a bad roster we knew it was gonna yeah be, I mean going. I
1: would argue that no John Gross team is going to go into Maryland and and compete for 35 minutes to begin with because yeah, there were a something few Maryland games where you're you're down 20 immediately and
0: it's like okay turn off the TV but yet they couldn't find their way off the bubble right like right. they always hung nothing around was, Nothing was that <laughs> ugly. so this team I think is going to find its way. On the bubble with a win here or a win there. But we're going to be spending all January, yes. February, biting our no, nails right. and hoping. And I'm thinking, wait a second. At the end of the day, if they make the tournament, mission accomplished. And I know I said before football, if they make a bowl game, I'm happy regardless. Well, it happens. And I still got issues. But you know what? Mission accomplished. Sure. We move on. With basketball, my God, this is not a high bar to clear. What is not the, with this roster. What if they get into Dayton? So
1: that's, the, first, that's the last four in. And I don't say like. they say they lose that game.
0: You see, the bold move would be this: if let's say that's the situation. That they got purgatory. to the tournament, but it's like right—the right, ultimate yeah. ambiguity. Nineteen and thirteen with a couple really quality wins. Let's and be a,
1: honest; I think they're going to get a few good wins. Like I just—I I think they have enough talent, and they're facing enough mediocre Big Ten teams that I could see them going to Purdue, who's ranked twenty-third and winning. I, I could see that happening, or Ohio State. Now, I don't want to say you don't Ohio expect State.
0: because, again, the way Saturday played out, this team is going to find themselves in games that sure. in past years they wouldn't. But I think to your point, you're also going to have enough of the two week stretch that you
1: saw last year where you know they're gonna they're gonna flip let's say they beat Michigan at home this week that'd be beating number four Michigan yeah are they still number four yeah right now so they only lost to
0: Louisville they didn't look all that great they beat Iowa 104 to something to oh, start North
1: out.
2: Carolina like two or three weeks ago yep. right?
0: And they had a really good tournament over Thanksgiving and then they lost at number one Louisville but I guess the, they, but they beat Iowa and scored 104 points. but, well, but I, that, I do look at Michigan like a top 15 and back to the Maryland thing I think there's some top four it's gonna top 15 out. teams. in yeah. Ohio State right now is certainly looking at but the, but the point
1: is I have seen enough from Brad Underwood to know that if they beat number four Michigan this week I can't sit here and go well now this team is good because well, they beat yeah. number four Michigan they could legitimately lose to Old Dominion five days later <laughs> who is ranked in the top 90 in Ken Palm oh okay well I mean I, mean, I just 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 I don't have the 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 consistency. Winthrop part two. I guess honestly if I had to boil it down (laughs) to one thing tournament team. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, I remember that refrain. (laughs) If I had to boil it down to one thing, I guess it would be that I don't have consistent faith in this team. Agreed. I have night to night faith that they could play with anybody, but I have zero faith that they could string together a month of that type of basketball
2: they play to the level level of their competition where yeah, you're, you're going to see them go into maryland you're going to see them play um i mean let's be real if you were able to go into maryland and almost win that game there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to compete and even win this game coming up against michigan um, coming up but then like you said when it comes to playing old dominion or i you know the one i always that come back a, to a poor example, the one but... i always come back to is when you play penn state mm-hmm would any of us be sure. surprised like, if that one know,
0: goes on the get, You
1: get Indiana on the road this year and not at home. Like, I think Penn
0: State's over five hundred against Illinois in the last 10 years. Yeah. Well, Penn State's going to actually maybe be good this year. <laughs> I mean,
1: this is offensive. You know, I don't like it. Yeah. Penn State's actually going to be good this year. Yeah. but they're, my they're but, good. but my point is just, like, like I said, if you beat Michigan this week, you have technically knocked off a top-five team. But I'm not walking away from that game with the macro opinion that everything is fine now. There are two
0: awful teams, Nebraska and Northwestern. Yes. I don't know if there's any other awful teams, but really that's probably advantageous. Minnesota's to not good. No. Iowa's fine. Uh, you know, but there's, there's your
1: Penn State from last year example would be Indiana. Iowa. Iowa or Indiana.
0: Indiana's fine. Them right.
1: beating number four Michigan does not make me any more confident that they couldn't lose at home to Iowa. My worry is well, that Illinois.
0: Concerned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My worry is that Illinois is ultimately going to be lumped in with fine. And that's right. not going to be enough. In, in a
1: year where other than – I mean, I know Ohio State has kind of risen now. But other than – I mean, Michigan State's 5-3 and, and and won a single-digit game over Rutgers. Like, I don't think the top is that loaded. So in a year where you could finish as high as like fourth
0: realistically, it would be pretty sobering to see them finish ninth. This might be a silly question to ask before the Michigan game because in two days, this podcast will be a little bit outdated true. depending on the result of that. I mean, if they lose to Michigan, essentially everything we're seeing here kind of holds um, in that we're concerned and there's a lack of consistency, but they could easily come out Wednesday and beat Michigan by seven or eight. I say easily, and I would, and I would Not easily. But, but, but I would
1: remain confused then. And I'm not saying I don't want it to happen. No, I get it. But like I could see them in a close game finishing in the clutch and it just adds to the confusion of, why can't this happen
0: consistently? Who needs to be more, Georgie? I or the two names I go back to, Feliz surprised me with just the erratic final possession.
1: Yeah, but he's so like aggressive that I'm not going to necessarily fault him
0: for that because he was trying to drive it and draw a foul. Let's have let's have the timeout debate. Okay, I did with myself. The, the timeout quite as compelling. <laughs> the whole thing
2: with the timeout, and I'll, I'll let you guys hit on. I just want to say this real quick. At that point, it's it's one of those things where you're getting angry at someone for not doing something. And at that point, it feels like, well, you're. it's like you made a mistake to make a really bad situation even worse. So, I mean, if you take the timeout at the correct time after the rebound, yeah, you have a chance to throw the ball all the way down there. Maybe you know what you're doing. Then they have to, you know, probably still make the free throw or they will then still make the free throw because you're going to take your timeout. But at that point, it, you're gonna lose either situation nine times. So you're out saying of 10. it's
1: essentially like the lesser of two evils. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, you. I mean, you pick the greater of two evils, but you're right, not winning either sense. one of those situations. That's so
0: fair. It took the winning percentage from one percent down to point seven. Yeah. Exactly. Got but it, it. still and, yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's it the still stupidest doesn't. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're, they're, that, that's you're correct about that, Harry, and that it ultimately probably doesn't make a difference. But one I fans would point to two examples: Nick Anderson, Andy Kaufman, his buzzer-beating shots that required about a second and a half a really good pass, and then a 35-foot or 30-foot yeah. three-pointer. So it can happen. It's rare. It I totally would, I would is. Well, the point. fact that
2: you just pointed those two out shows how rare it is.
0: And, and there's been other situations where you in you do take that timeout after the rebound, and then the pass gets intercepted. You drop a play, the pass gets intercepted, and you go and home with a loss anyway.
2: That's what happened. I mean, how many times has that happened in between those two that you just mentioned?
0: Probably 100 times. Uh, uh, maybe not 100, but a, a handful for sure. Yeah. And, and this is where, though, the first time out, let's start with that. The reason I had a problem with him not calling a timeout in the last possession is because that's of, what I would
1: point to more so than the free throw. Yeah,
0: it is because when you were doing that, you're saying as a coach, I have coached my guys in late game situations and I have trust in them to get it done and I don't want the defense to get their guys set. Which he should by now. Yeah, exactly. But he what should. he's seen shouldn't, it hasn't told him. That. So if he had the mindset that I don't want the defense to get set, and I trust my guys, then that's a strike against Brad Underwood because that trust against his guys didn't pay off. We
1: well, just saw it five days he earlier. Just, exactly. you just saw <laughs> it. And then completely blew like it. Yeah. You,
0: you could not have had
1: a better uh, comp handed to you. I you just literally... Oh, my God. I just realized now, that. Now, 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 to be fair, he didn't have a timeout with Miami because he blew all four of them in the first half. mm mm-hmm.
0: But he he literally which has, that's a whole other which sure. is fine because but again yeah. don't go down twenty seven right. points but he know. literally he
1: literally has a four day example in his mind of exactly what happens when he puts trust in his guys. I mean, it's not even like two weeks. It's not even like, remember last year when Brad put trust in his guys? It's, remember Monday when Brad put... like He has an example from this week of what happens mm-hmm. when he puts trust in his guys with 10 seconds left. It seems and to I, me it, like... It's mind-boggling to me that he wouldn't call the timeout
0: there. When we were texting, I felt like you were different when you were watching the game. Or was it Harry that was arguing that you don't call the timeout
1: Well, there? I was arguing what Harry was saying just now with the free throw part of the timeout Got to where... Okay. You know, some people were on Twitter saying it was a fireable offense that he called it in between the free no, throws. No, it's stupid, but not fireable. It's stupid, I'll but I, it. I, I, I did not, I did not have the take that that was a fireable offense. As
2: soon as he, I, I did the first text. As soon as he took the time out, I said, "Why are you doing that?" He's going to miss it on purpose now, and you know that's actually what happened. And then, yeah. as soon as that kind of transpires and ends, then I, then that's when I kind of thought what I just said, which is. It didn't matter anyway. I would rank yeah
1: third in coaching malpractice behind having the Big Ten freshman of the week out of the game for the last six minutes for the second straight game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, not calling the timeout with 20 seconds left when your guys are bringing the ball up.
0: Kofi is better than Georgie. Period. Yeah. Full stop. Possible Big Ten freshman of the year. Page Georgie break. has regressed. Yes. Kofi is a phenom. Mm-hmm. You play him. That's it. They each had four fouls, so it's not like Kofi had
1: four and Georgie had two, and that was why he was playing one over the other. I
0: found myself going down the rabbit hole of rationalizing not smart decisions by saying I even said this to my dad as we we're watching the game. I said, "Well, you know, Georgie's the older guy, so maybe a little more trust in him." And then in hindsight, I'm like, "You dolt, don't buy into that. <laughs> Kofi is better. Full stop. You play Kofi, and he doesn't turn the ball over that much. No, and, and you know, but frankly, he, he... Georgie's probably turned the ball over to much higher right. than Kofi. He's a
1: bit of a." Liability when he's either got the ball in his hands at the top of the key, which he needs to stop doing, or on defense. But that that's not enough to leave your best player out of the game for the last six minutes of the game. I mean, it's not. He like,
0: has been your best player this year. Yeah, and I mean, there's I mean, no. He's been the best freshman in the Big Ten it. for the
1: last month. Yeah, he's been he's won three weeks in a row, and it's not like. He pulled him out for one possession, and you're arguing. Well, why did Georgie get that touch on that one possession with 59 seconds left over? Kofi, it's that he didn't play in the entire under four minutes. You Was know, he I back
0: mean, in for the two seconds at the end?
1: Yes, he put him in after the <laughs> I mean, timeout. He did do that to yeah. rebound the free throw, so that the only guy who couldn't shoot from three quarters court had the ball with 1.9 seconds left as the clock began to run. Mm. He passed it to Andres, who didn't even yeah. get the shot off. Yeah, of that. The,
2: yeah, I saw that. And at that point, again, well, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, that, that bothered thing.
1: me, though, the 20 seconds and not calling the timeout, because Andres was kind of scrambling and uh, akin to Io five days ago, mm-hmm. tried to drive it and it just didn't work out. and you, the can, you can argue whether or not, you know, Cowan actually fouled him. And then Cowan looks at the ref like, hey, that's a foul. And then the ref goes, you're right. And calls the foul.
0: <laughs> that plays developing with what, 18 seconds to go after Callan yep, makes it. Yep. So you got the ball. And I think there was still like uh, there was three when, seconds. when the scrum happened. There was like five or six seconds. Exactly. Left. So already, first off. Where's Andres going? But I is don't he going a, there to shoot? I don't, I don't know, have a but, problem with him driving the ball. That's what he does. I don't either. But he's on the perimeter. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. He kind of so guided to the right, going to the right instead of towards the hoop. So you aren't going to draw a foul in all likelihood in that spot. You're going to get trapped if anything. Sure. Secondly, oh God, it just really pisses me off. I got to be honest because I, <laughs> the whole time, if, <laughs> if, I, if I'm a basketball coach, though, so I don't like
1: calling timeouts after my team has just um, given up their lead and then have the ball. Does that make sense? So, like, say it was 58-58, Cowan makes a shot. I'm actually more okay with the team bringing up the ball – this team has led the entire game. Maryland hadn't led since it was three to two. Right, so you're saying they the hit tie the game symbolically tying three. Was... I think hitting the game tying three to finally overcome that deficit of the entire game is more deflating for it's the Illinois out of the players balloon. than yes. if the game were tied and they and they went ahead on a shot. So the other thing, like if you know, I'm Andres after that, I'm going. I'm kind of scrambled mentally. Like, of holy course, bleep, he just hit that shot. Yeah, how could you not? Know what I mean,
0: and, and then you also need to call a timeout to let your guys know. Listen, it's a tie game, which means. We should get the last last shot. We should get the last shot. No shot at a shot because, worst case, you go to overtime. Now, I remember thinking that entire second half, don't go to overtime. Don't go to overtime. But at the same time, as I'm saying that, I don't want this result to happen. Sure, yeah. Where well, you don't go to overtime because you lose the ball with five seconds. Then right. you foul them with two. Like Baylor wouldn't want to go to
1: overtime against Oklahoma because they seemed outmatched. But at the same time, if your choices are lose the game or go to overtime, you're going to take yeah, the overtime. Yeah, something could happen, right? Right, right?
0: And in that game, a lot of things did go in One's favor.
1: The idea that you aren't calling the timeout because you want the defense to not be set— Maryland's defense is pumped up because they just hit the game-tying shot, they couldn't be more set, in my opinion. Mental. I would agree. Like it, like if you're arguing that the mental edge is with Illinois Not because you all. didn't call the timeout. But most coaches would argue that, right? That you don't call the timeout to give your team the mental edge over the team that isn't set. But Maryland is so pumped up that they just hit the game-tying shot that all the mental edge is with them.
0: You bring your guys in, you calm them down, you say, here's the play, we're going to shoot it with two seconds to go, and hey, worst case, we're going to play in five more minutes, but we're going to win the damn thing now.
3: I should be a coach. Let's go. That wouldn't work so well. (laughs) But I'm
0: just thinking again, you hit on the big point is that five days ago or however many, what was it? uh, Last, well, it would have been Monday, so five or six days. Five days before it didn't work. And that to me, not a fireball offense. That's a very big statement with about 20 plus games to go. But I, I just see the writing. To me, it's like, uh, that reminds me of John Gross's fifth year where it's like, I see it and I'm not trying to say this in any sort of grandstanding way. This team has enough little tiny fractures throughout where something's disconnected, something's yes. not working. And even if a couple of those things begin to work, there's enough other things that are so fragile that I don't trust that they're going to stick together.
1: Yes. But you've seen this over and over again with Mark Smith and the disconnect and chemistry in the locker room. Then last year with a sudden stretch where you stink to high heaven after being really good.
0: And this year where you lack a leader. And I remember going to. Even back though you to, have
1: four leaders on your team. I know. Yeah.
0: Figure it out. I mean, my God, right. it, 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 oh, yeah. we You're were right. told, we were sold this bill of goods on culture, toughness, and they didn't say togetherness. I know that was John Gross's thing, <laughs> toughness, togetherness. That that was that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, whatever identity Brad Underwood hoped to instill,
1: I don't see it. Well, he's abandoned it. They're not pressuring on defense, and they're not running the same offense. They're running a weaver or a spread, which are two offenses that Brad Underwood has never run here before. I don't get it.
2: I can't say anything on the
0: leaves <laughs> well, and spreads.
1: Michigan becomes a must win in my opinion. It's I know I'm an not absolute dating must myself win myself quickly here but. Do you think they do? Um, As we date
0: ourselves for anyone listening Thursday morning. No.
1: I think it's close. I think it, it's a game where you get to stand up and shout with 2 minutes left in the game. <laughs> I'll measure it by that. So many of those. Like
0: 80 to 75 Michigan and you get a crowd prompter and you're like, stand
3: "Ah!" Up and yeah. I
0: remember when they started doing that back in 2006 and somehow a friend of my, my best friend, recommended that I should watch Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. Which is, Wahlberg, right, well, which is a really from, yeah. cheesy yeah. movie, but uh-huh. it's kind of fun. It's yeah, got Jennifer okay. Aniston yeah. as a groupie and all that. And then they started playing that at a game that me and my best friend went to. We looked at each other like, holy crap. <laughs> Did not think 13 years later this would be a thing. Yeah, But it, it is. is like a staple. It's that. Of the it's
1: Will Ferrell game. from Anchorman saying, ladies and gentlemen, may I please have your attention. And it's Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec.
0: I need you to get off your butts oh, and wait, scream. There's, there's
1: butkus saying, "Get off your butt! Get off scream. your
0: butt!" Yeah. Uh, how was the crowd at the Miami game? Didn't get a chance to. Have, I did didn't you go? go.
1: I was I, I was at the station watching it. Okay. Because I had to do the show right up until tip.
2: So did you just watch the whole thing. then I at did. The
1: station. Yep. Huh. By myself. It was actually very liberating. I could
0: scream. I could. You know. <laughs> <laughs> just be sure the program button isn't on. And the right. Yeah. 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 There were yeah. so many close calls the the conversations we'd have no 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 no. the conversations we'd have off the air oh oh yeah and then we do the fake out (laughs) hit the button we're on (laughs) uh there was one time actually where we were on the air and i forget the exact circumstance but i think jeremy and i were talking and i had made reference to a story that he was about to break on his website like a name i think a commit or something and i might have said it loud enough to go over the air and then we look down and we're like, oh, crap. Like, I just ruined this kid's reveal. <laughs> I forget the exact context of it. And Jeremy looks at me like, oh, my God. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. So we go back to the podcast and sure enough, it didn't go over. Because I really think we would have had to yell. You have to be really to close over. to
1: those mics or yeah. any mic for that matter well, for it to actually go over the air.
2: Because you got to imagine, you, not imagine, but you also got to remember that when we're talking to each other there, we're standing further away from the microphone and we're just kind of. You know, talking
3: like this. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and and plus there's like a commercial playing. Yeah, exactly.
0: So everything too, so, would yeah. have to go wrong for someone to be able to. You'd hear have what to you yell it into the mic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we avoided that. Uh, and, uh, what else do we have to talk about? I mean, the bowl game. Yeah, which there's not a lot. I mean, so I'm going. Kind of, was, so I'm excited, but it was funny yesterday. I was working. Free lodging. For yes, for you. Yep. You got family yep. up there. Yep.
3: How
2: come whenever I hear lodging, I just think about like staying in a like log cabin? Hmm. That'd be log.
1: Yeah, I think of like a Frasier episode <laughs> where they go to a cabin. There's like four of those. I never Niles, seen that's Hans' favorite. Is, yeah, is, is he still
0: up on his Frazier? Yeah,
1: yeah. He doesn't really do it anymore. It's kind of you're in his thing.
2: Oh, okay. I
0: he miss doesn't, the he doesn't do bit.
1: The, the posh voice anymore. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. I,
3: every,
2: I think pretty much every time I hear you guys uh, when I tune in and I, I'm listening, the reference of, oh, well, Hans could fly us there.
1: Comes it's, up. it's it's
2: very much an airline thing.
1: Uh, Cliche for Hans now. Not yeah. a posh Fraser fan. How
0: much more time does he have before he's a commercial
3: pilot?
1: I don't know, but not too much longer. He was showing me his rule book, which is like extremely. Oh, thin. I would hope so. He showed me an entire chapter on what to do if you see a UFO. You have to call a number. <laughs> what if? Which actually sounds wow. funny, but anything in the air that you yeah, don't know you don't is know. an unidentified is flying
0: object. What if the rule book is actually just a pamphlet? And then it was like a three-step thing: like uh, don't fly. don't drink, <laughs> be responsible, and most importantly, have fun. <laughs> I'm like, I think these guys should take a little more seriously, than Matt. <laughs> We're a
2: fun airline; we like to have fun. My professor
1: guys. included that on my study guide for the final <laughs> you exam. You said that? Why? Yeah. Why? You know, yeah. it was like study hard. You know, know your content and have fun. And it's like, come on. Must be his way of have being fun. Funny.
0: You're gonna have fun? No, just, I would just... like to report that I had no fun on that final. <laughs> How many more do you got? Two. Okay. I got now, nine. are they starting to do that in non-finals? Yes. That's nice. Yeah. So,
1: like, so for me, because I'm a journalism major, I have two papers okay. that are my finals. That's nice. And there's a window for me to turn them in. So like, I don't have to go and sit in a proctored room and take a multiple choice exam. What are you writing about? Well, one of them you have to choose. I was going to do something with sports. You have to choose some sort of like societal issue and do a deep dive research oh. paper on it. Examples were like racism in college football in terms of hires, because mm. a lot of schools don't obliged by the you-have-to-interview-one-minority-candidate-in-order-to-make-your-hire. The hire.
0: Rooney rule. Yeah, I know it's, it's NFL, called. but... Right. That yeah. is what
1: it's called, yeah. So, we'll see.
0: Is that what you went with? No, Racism no, I haven't board?
1: decided yet. Oh, oh, wow. When's it due? Uh, like the 19th. Okay. How long of a paper? I'm, I'm not trying to sound egotistical, but I'm, I could easily bang out like an eight-page paper in like one night
0: if I yeah, just well, sat down whew. and did it. Here's the trick, right? Is I always like writing single-spaced. And then okay. if it's an eight-page paper, I mean, expanded, and know just got to get to three like and a half, three and yeah, right. three quarters. Here's
2: what you do. Here's what you do. Ready for me to drop some knowledge bombs? Okay. You are Because it is double space, right? Mm-hmm. You do double I assume. space. Yes. And you do everything you got to do. And at the very end, say you're around, say it has to be five pages and you're at four, maybe four and a quarter. You highlight every single period and make it one font size larger. <laughs> It's still double space. You gotta spaced. really be reaching for yeah. That's what I did that every because you I just mean, control find period. Well, the thing is, like, if five pages,
1: the first page you've already got half off because you do your name, double space, the professor's name, double space, the date, double space, the class, double space, the title, yeah. double space, the start, and it's like half the page is already done. T-
2: control t- find space and, re- <laughs> and replace every space with two spaces. <laughs> wow, why do the
0: two space thing anyway? I'm yeah. old school like that, which I guess is an old person. You change to do. the margins from 1.25 to 1.29. Yeah, get this, this tiny little. Things. we did a peer review for an english 400 level class that i had to take to become an english teacher so i had to get some more uh content so you had area take stuff. more classes yeah take okay. more content and then there's teaching methods so for the english content had this one thing i think it was the uh what sisters wrote uh, the bronte sisters these old british l- uh, gals lasses that back in the day wrote a bunch of stories like okay. wuthering heights haven't heard of them what, really? The no. Brontes?
3: Okay.
2: Sounds like a name for sisters back in like
0: 1890s Red Dead Redemption Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the mean the Brontes. They, weren't, yeah. they weren't, wore petticoats and all that sort of stuff. So anyways, we had this Paper and we did a peer review as they often do in English classes. And you send one off to another student, and they send one to you, you review it. And I figure, hey, come on, it's a peer review. I'm not going to take it seriously. I'll say, hey, you know, just maybe focus more on the theme. Oh, for sure. Other yeah. than that, looks yeah. great. Yeah. You know, yeah. move on. But what they did was they changed their font to like 12.5, they moved the margins in ever so slightly. And then I get their review back of my paper. And this lady did a whole number on mine, <laughs> tore it apart. And I'm thinking, I thought it was a pretty good paper. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I could call you out to the teacher. <laughs> and, I could and I'm say, and i like, I don't want to be a rat. Right. But at the same time, I don't like your attitude. yeah. And I was like, did oh, you the call teacher. Her out? I didn't. I figured okay. that if she didn't fix it, the teacher would sure. find it. Yeah. But it was a mess. Like you could blatantly tell that it yeah. wasn't yeah. Right. right.
2: Did you guys ever have a situation where you did a group assignment or stuff? I forget if it, it was like seventh or eighth grade where I had a... An assignment where the teacher said, "Okay, you're going to be grading each other," and so we were. Did grading. the grades stand even after they had? They had other? a say. I think that she she had half of the say, and the group grading had the other half. So I'm sitting here thinking, "Okay, let's just give everyone ten right. out of ten. That's easy. These people gave me like a five and six <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> oh my! Because I couldn't show up for too... a couple of like group assignments because I had lacrosse practice. Oh, you were in lacrosse. One year, and I got kicked off the team for smacking the coach's kid. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it was wow. this drill where with you the have lacrosse? to cross no no i wasn't oh. dirty like that inadvertently, Not like, like right. uh marty mcsorley no it's this thing
0: where uh um, marty mcsorley hockey player oh okay of course i, I was up.
1: gonna go with trace mcsorley but i, I don't
3: know who you're talking there about. was a...
0: Pendelschmack. yes hargish hargish it was Hargish hargish but we haven't yes. heard about him in a while nah, no dude he's is got he's, some clap bombs coming in from the permanently concussed
1: yeah he's permanently which
2: in other words is just retired in hockey terms so um, the the drill would be you'd have you know they'd throw the ball out two players are running trying to pick it up and you can oh, do like XFL style you... hmm. yeah kind of okay. but this was more just you know actual learning how to okay. scoop it up and you could do what you needed to do to try to go get the ball so you know people would try to like run ahead and you know try to get there first and they never said I couldn't so we run and I just <laughs> they look never over said I, I yeah lower guess. my shoulder into this guy knock him over so you he just goes, like body check him yeah. And I had no, I had been playing football for I don't know how like eight years by then, so I just did it. He's on the ground. I just kind of come up and <laughs> showboat pick it up with one hand. <laughs> so and that I kicked was, you uh, off the team for that. Seems well, a bit extreme. it was like a week after that he started to bench me because that was his son, and the son wasn't too happy about it. Uh, I didn't get along with a the son coach son wasn't either. too
0: happy about it? Of course not. Who no. cares? Yeah. You miss your lacrosse days, or are you okay?
2: No, I played for one year. Okay, yeah. I
0: feel like the
1: sports, nepotism in sports, maybe this is what my paper should be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nepotism in sports is something that is pretty prominent but never, ever talked about. You
0: can ask Miles Smith about it. Sure. Or you can, can ask Tyler Ryan Cubit Or I mean, Tyler Underwood. Here you might have the Cubit information, the ki- uh, contact info. Well, it's, it's, I feel like it's bigger, and this might be silly
2: to say, but it's. I feel like it's bigger the lower you go, like in Pop Warner, first grade, second grade, third grade. Well, sure. Coach's kid is always yeah. a quarterback. I By just, the time you get up to the collegiate level even if it's cubit or miles smith these guys know something of what you're right being being around osmosis and yeah
1: and you learn stuff but like we're watching the iowa game well there's brian ferentz the offensive coordinator i'm like what yeah like you see that all over, and I, grad I assistant
0: probably when he graduated, and then he just kind of yeah. moved into this coordinator. He might position.
1: actually be good at it. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. You see that all over the place. You, you see it a lot. It would
0: suck if he's as good as his dad and just takes uh, over. And we got sixty yeah. years of forensics. There's Steve
1: Belichick. The I saw that. Coach. What if
2: he's just as good as? Well, no one's going to be as good as. Uh, Bill. No, of course
0: not. He's got the mullet
2: going on, right? He looks yeah, a yeah. mess. Yeah. yeah, he looks nothing like him. Did you see there was this one play at the end of the uh, the Patriots Chiefs game where Bill, not Bill, uh. Tom, they're the same person by now. Runs for a first Don't down, to fourth and six, and he mm-hmm. gets like fifteen yards. Oh, yeah. Slides, and he like you know he's he's usually enthused. Belichick is pumped. He was pumped. I didn't see more it. so than I've ever seen him pumped. I he's like giving the first down, signal. I'm
0: just, mm. wow. And they still
2: lost.
3: Yeah, they got kind of screwed in that game. Patriots are kind they of they had fun. a couple Weird calls. Way for the They had
2: a couple calls that went against them. There was the one with uh, Nikhil Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not step out of bounds, but, but they, they could challenge did. it. Yep, and then
0: there was also the pass interference they didn't call against the Chiefs. Yeah, they got kind of a screwed neck. There's game. a way Gotta the Patriots honest. can miss the playoffs. There, wow. Yeah.
2: And there's a way monkeys can fly out of my butt.
0: There's a a lot of ways the Bears can miss the playoffs.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean the After I, last I, night without the Rams, playing the with Vikings. house money now, right? Because the Vikings and the Rams both win. The Packers keep winning. That's not even. Yeah, it, you know. I
0: was really hoping that somehow the Redskins would beat the Packers. Not, so not was that never happened. Twenty to fifteen was the final. I know, score. They played them know. pretty close year. The Redskins in, year
1: won last or last week against the Panthers. Yeah. Well,
2: the Redskins smacked the the. Packers when they played them yeah. last year
1: but the line is Packers minus four and there's a minus three for home field advantage so they're basically telling you that the Packers yeah. are one point better than no, the Bears I think, on I think the way field. the
0: Bears are playing right now it's gonna be a competitive game and what the hell go beat them yeah
1: but that's my attitude right like it's not like I'm going into this game like okay here we go it's more like eh, I think what, what
0: I saw
2: if you went out that's the hardest part obviously right, you have to you win have out. To do that you have to win out or else you have virtually no chance then the other things that I saw that I think can happen is I think you need the Cowboys to beat the Rams, which can happen. Fine. And I think the Chargers beating the, uh, well, the, the Vikings, Vikings can Vikings happen. the Vikings go
1: Chargers, Packers, Bears to finish their season. And you
2: need to lose two of them, one of which you control. Right. And I think they're going to lose it. I, 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 it's the Rams, though, that are the concern I think they they're going to lose night. to the Chargers. And yeah. then the
0: Rams, you need to lose they, to the, they play uh, the cow They to the play Cowboys. at
2: Dallas. Actually, I'll get the little...
0: They play at right. Dallas
1: and them beating uh, the Seahawks, though, screwed everything up.
0: Oh, it totally did. That was the big one because I thought the Vikings would still lose to the Packers at home, mm-hmm. and then the Bears. And then you at control home. beating the Vikings
1: right. in the last week, you know. But so whatever. It, I mean. It's
0: unfortunate. Now it's going to make it. You know, we we can kind of tie this in as we wrap this thing up with Illinois basketball and how every game matters ultimately, right? When I look back at the game against Oakland in mm-hmm. London or the game against the Chargers at yep. home or the Rams game. Or the Packers. All, you lost 10 nothing. <laughs> but those three in particular, before hey, I mean, the 10-3. Packers game, you just sucked. Oh, 10-3? That's yeah, right. You got, got the field goal. Because okay. yeah, right, right. Right. You, you went up 3 nothing. Yeah, in Yeah, you right. But if you take the Raider, Raiders, Chargers, Rams and flip those games, you are competing for the division title. Well, see, I th- the Raiders, I think you can
2: do that. Chargers, I think you can do that. <sighs> From what I saw in the Rams game, they kind of they handled it. Well,
0: they did because I mean, P- Pinheiro kept missing free, stink, yeah. uh, free throws, kept missing field goals at <laughs> the beginning three. of it. So, you know, they, they are where they are, though. Their record is what they should be because they were total mess earlier yeah. this year. Okay,
2: so I have it right here. It's this little New York Times calculator. Mm. If you win out, then the games, let me see. Then let's say the Chargers win. I just pictured him saying
1: it's the uh, GDP uh, calculator on New York Times.
0: Taiwan is actually <laughs> Chargers massive
2: growth. <laughs> Chargers beating the Vikings help you. Cowboys beating the Rams helps you. And then if you have the Niners beat the Rams next week. So if you, oh, win, out, okay. if you win out and the Rams lose their next two and the Vikings lose one more, then you're in.
0: Okay. I mean, it's not doable. as
1: hard as you might think, but the hardest part is you winning out. The hardest
2: part is you winning out, because the Rams, I think they can lose to the Cowboys. They can lose definitely to the Niners, who are probably one of the best teams in the in football. And then the um and then who who is the other one? The Vikings, I do think, are gonna lose to the Chargers, because I don't think the Vikings I, I'm never gonna buy into the But them. you only don't need like them
1: it. to lose to the Chargers or the Packers. Because you control the other loss that you'd be handing them. Yeah, yeah, you just so, need them to lose right, one of those. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well
0: all this is I don't really care as long as the Yankees the Eagles are playing Cole, right now, by the way. way. I'm they surprised are playing. you're not clamoring to watch that. Well,
2: I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it, and the Eagles have just been pissing me off so much all year. Take a wild guess what the score is. Zero, are they playing zero. right now? Yeah. Who are it's they playing? The Giants. Eli Manning. The worst team in football. Eli's quarterbacking tonight. Yeah. Here, here, here's the situation. Here's the situation, and this is why I just... I will put this off until I, I'm going to go watch the game. It's 0-0 zero, zero <laughs> right now, three minutes left in the... Um, In in the first quarter Three minutes left in the game Time stamp the episode (laughs) Okay Uh, The Eagles are not driving I was about to say driving Giants have the ball at midfield So they're probably about to go up This all-time series For the first time Since I've been alive Is tied Giants always let it Eagles finally crawled back And were able Because the Eagles have kind of Owned the Giants over the last uh, 19 years Mm -hmm. And they have tied it up you're a better team than the Giants are. You have been way better in the last couple of years than the Giants have been. Giants are reeling. Their rookie quarterback is looking like they're He's going to be the one to lead you into this game against your division rival to see who takes the lead for the you know in this series, all-time series, forward.
0: which is a long-running series. Yeah,
2: 1933, first time you ever played. The first game you ever played was against the Giants. And You hate the Giants I hate the Giants Giants are my second Least favorite team Who's your least favorite Cowboys Yeah of course course. Okay All right Cowboys Yeah So But the thing is I kind of have a respect For the Giants That I do not have For the Cowboys I get that I despise the Cowboys Giants The way I always Looked at it was I mean NFL Network Called Eagles Giants The biggest rivalry In football Hmm because of the history, because of the weird games that have kind okay. of happened over
0: Bears-Packers, interesting.
2: Bears-Packers was I think like a number six. Wow. It was it was honestly
1: on there. I get the NFC East rivalries confused because every team has a rivalry. Every team another. has a yeah. Pretty good yeah, rivalry. yeah, it's, it's a, a very best rivalry in football. Redskins Giants. It's like what? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not, that,
2: that's probably the weakest one there. Yeah. But yeah, um, so Eagles Giants is always seen as one of the biggest ones. So all this is happening. Tide series, longest you know rivalry that the Eagles have, longest one that the Giants mm-hmm. have, and you're a better team than them. It's at home in Philadelphia. You looks like you're going to play this rookie quarterback. But no, instead, in comes the <laughs> grizzled vet Eli Manning, who's 500 on his career needs one win yeah, to cement that. his Hall of Fame legacy so as a winning
1: like, quarterback. So tonight is a play in game for the Hall of Fame for
0: Eli Manning. I think he's in anyway,
2: <laughs> but this will show you he has the above uh, 500 and it's against the Eagles and if this mm, is, I, it at, I, is it at New York. It's in
0: Philadelphia. Oh, that make it worse. But yeah. you know, that actually makes more sense in the Eagles' history. They would blow this game. Again. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. A, re- a month ago, Eagles are five and four. Ah, Eagles are looking good, Harry. Hey, they still the-
0: are looking good for the division
2: if they want it. They've lost three games since you said that to me. Okay. This yeah. is a joke of a football
0: team. The
1: Giants are in the red zone. Of course they are.
0: <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? Oh, my God. Well, on that note, uh, we didn't figure out a lot of things oh, today. Oh, gosh, no. Illinois is going to have to figure it out for us on Wednesday. We really dated ourselves here a lot in this episode. We really did. Okay. We did. But, I mean, the only thing that will keep it not dated is if Illinois loses by like three or four at home to Michigan, it's yep. the same old song yep, and dance. Yep, yep, Which I, I would agree, Trevor, seems like the likely outcome where you compete and you look pretty I good. I think in it'll sports. be close either way. Yeah. I would agree. I would be surprised at the blowout either direction. I, honestly, I don't really care. I <laughs> like the. Uh, really?
1: I just. Because I don't care in the short term. I mean,. Because if you win this game, I'm not walking away thinking this season dramatically changes for the better. And if you lose this game, I'm not walking away thinking, well, now my opinion has changed towards the negative on this team.
0: I think even if they win this game, there's going to be maddening stretches in the season. Sure. But it's all about accruing quality wins at this point, mm-hmm. And they have none. Correct. So They, they have they, to they one
1: bad that. loss and zero quality wins. Ooh. And if you that don't, Miami thing is going to be the killer. I'm telling you, it's the freaking
0: <laughs> killer, just like Georgia Tech 2013, right. Oregon 2014.
1: If you don't beat New Mexico State 2015 or 16 or 17, what year was that? Do well, you play New Mexico State at the United Center?
0: Would that have mattered? Gary <laughs> just looked at me like, what? Would that have mattered? <laughs> was that underwater or John
1: Gross? Uh, I think that was Gross's last year, wasn't it? Did you lose to New Mexico State? Yeah, yeah or that, I mean, State you lost to that was the Lou Henson game.
0: I mean, if you were to be... Oh, God, I do remember right. that.
1: That he didn't attend. And if
0: you were have beaten Winthrop that year... I mean, that
1: wasn't the killer of the year, but that yeah. was another one of those... Illinois loses by five to a team in the 80s in
2: the RPI, and you're
1: like, ugh, that's going to bite. And it did. Yeah.
0: I Way remember- too many of those
2: in the last decade. I was at... And this is just a random aside. I was at a... Of course, this was where I was. Uh, it was uh, Dad's Weekend a couple of years ago, and I was at a hockey game, the Illinois hockey game. Mm-hmm. It was sold out, and there was like... you. I was sitting on a rail because there was nowhere to watch. Illinois ends up winning in a shootout. Pretty fun time. And on my phone, I'm just kind of keeping an eye on the basketball season It started, and I think it was it was a game in Florida. Was it North Florida? Did well, we play North at, Florida? That would have been 2015. That was the, opener Gross's to the fourth year. You okay, started remember, in Springfield, and you oh, lost by 10. That's all, all, sorry, all I remember was a game against some team. I thought it was either in Florida or, or against a team from Florida. And they got smoked. That you got smoked. And I remember just seeing all the comments saying,
0: this is how we're going to start the season. Oh, yeah. No, they, they were mm-hmm. terrible. We had a game day the next day, uh, Brightweiser and I from outside Houlihan's. And I forget what the football game was, but we were just ticked 2014, off. Because 2014. 2014. Yeah, early November 2014. Dazzy mm. weekend. Really? So that been have been like Iowa. Probably or? Iowa or Minnesota. Probably. Yeah, it didn't go very well. No, because Minnesota would have been homecoming 2014. Okay. Great game. Great ghost. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. great. Game. All right, all right. And so, a, yeah. a surprising game. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, you had another game like that against Minnesota in 2010. Yeah. When you just had to beat them at home. Right. Well, that was it. Well, yeah, they didn't. We, we've mentioned that one yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, and then, what was I thinking here? Oh, he said sitting on a rail. Yeah. That's a great B-Sides collection from Counting Crows. It's not bad. Sitting on a rail. Halfway to Worrytown. Halfway to Worry Town. <laughs> to Worry Town. We're, we're there. I was thinking about titling this episode that, but I thought Sitting that negated. I on a
1: rail. <laughs> I liked, uh, liked Redbox Schmack Dogs.
0: I know. Well, we'll use Schmack Dogs in some future episode. I didn't get Lon back on here in some future episode. Maybe post-Missouri. Sure something get him back on uh we're actually maybe I'm gonna have a guest next week we are you remember isaac ambrose i do yeah i've he, seen him like four times he wanted to come check out the podcast so okay. i think he'll be just kind of hanging out yeah he's a good voice i don't have a fourth mic so he'll just kind of you mean he'll be here when from we're behind. here it, it'd be kind of like uh what would that ambient noise yes him hanging out in the background
2: i'm so just i've just been sitting here trying to think of like different you gotta gotta you just gotta play like a game of Mad Lib almost when you're trying to come up with album titles for mm-hmm. Counting Crows or um Who is the Jim Blossoms?
0: Just, yeah. Silver Tipped Railways. Is that sound like That's good? more of a Goo Goo dolls. Okay. Third album after the massive success of iris and slide <laughs> it was a critically misunderstood album they tried some electronic elements which didn't they got too fancy with it with the, they got too cute they really have to get back a to the critically roots. misunderstood <laughs> and then if you go like early 90s stuff you hear on the lithium channel XM, it has to be the album titles have to be darker so for the like 90s alt-rock hootie Spin Doctors, uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Jim Blossoms—they need to be light and airy. Okay, wait, wait but um... if it's like Alice in Chains, it needs to be something dark and depressing. Hmm. Oh, okay, okay, but well, not to the point of metal. Can it be bands. confusingly like dark, like 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 um, like cotton prison cells? That to me sounds a bit like a song by Faith No or an album by Faith No More. Cotton prison cells. Give me three random words in a row, and I'll tell you what band it should belong to. Duck. Uh, Can one of them be a color? Sure. Red, duck, maroon, Maroon. maroon duck, duck. tear. Maroon maroon duck tears? Maroon duck tears. Uh, Let's see. That sounds to me like a mid-90s album by... Oh, no, no, that sounds like a dashboard confessional. Maroon notebook. Duck Tears. Maroon Duck Tears. The, 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 uh, the album
2: cover is literally just an eye with like a drop, but you can't tell it's a duck. <laughs> but no,
0: no, no, I think you should, like a slight silhouette of a duck sure. bill. Yeah. It's like a normal <laughs> eye, but there's um, a little black
2: <laughs> duck bill.
0: That's just okay, kind
1: of... uh, yarn. Yarn. Oh. Uh, Navy. Navy Old. yarn. Old.
0: No, that's Old, Old navy, navy. yarn. That, that was my association. That's the Counting Crows box set, which <laughs> yeah. features all the hits and the B sets. <laughs> Old navy yarn.
3: <laughs> oh my god! All okay, right, well uh, we'll work on our. How oh, about
2: oh, one more? One more. Uh, a time of day, like okay. Um, twi- Violet twilight. Violet twilight. No, that's too similar. Um, cement. Uh, cinder blocks.
0: Uh, <laughs> twilight cinder block. No, that Ooh. sounds too no, clunky. No, that doesn't work. That that is well, yeah, that's pretty clunky. Yeah. Yeah, let's see here. Um, pasture. Random pasture.
1: Pasture um uh, cement something pastures. Mushroom
0: cement mushroom pastures. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> sounds <laughs> like a fish album or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll work on our album name generator. There has to be a a, a website idea yeah, that where would people be good. just kind of uh, punch up three random words and sure. this is your album name for your band. I've actually done that before when I'm trying to think of song titles. Where mm. I don't, I have like a riff, but no lyrics. I'm like, I just need a title given to me, so I can then go off and write lyrics. Vacuum.
2: Sealant. It could, could it be like the opposite? Like, so a vacuum usually like. So, an
0: so a vacuum sucks in what blow <sighs> blows out. Uh,
2: vacuum. Mm. Oh, okay. Vacuum uh, hair dr- hair blower
1: hair dryer. Uh, mm. Vacuum what? blow factory. I think I don't.
0: I don't know. If we're solving
1: anything <laughs> here fan vacuum, vacuum fan, fan. Oh. violet
0: vacuum fan violet the violet <laughs> vacuum fans <laughs> all right well hey we got to think dp <laughs> 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 another transition there dp doe online at dp for all the best deals and prices. a great thing to sneak into the star wars premiere next week yeah i Eagles plan are on losing. doing that really yeah oh sorry <laughs> you got fourth and kirby online with their Alani, they're going bowling t shirt. They'll have other apparel, which is great for football and basketball season for the Kirby.com. And of course, State Bar Major Brian Hansen. Brian is my guy.com. Alani inquire for their partnership and Champagne Showers po- uh, Podcast Network. Thanks to them as well for Trevor Valise and Harry Black. I believe we have two more episodes full. Monty here
3: <sighs>
2: I'll try to I'll, tr- well, I'll bring in my computer to see uh, if we can
3: work
0: on like a Skype connection oh, totally or could. something like we'll that, get that yeah. we'll get that hooked up because we will not end our association with Harry Black even after he moves to not Stanford Bristol Bristol not stores either not store that's UConn that's, that's UConn. UConn okay
1: that's that's right. Zach Giertus. yeah zero, z- zero Gladys yes. who had a great zero <laughs>
0: I wonder what their final record was this year probably two and ten uh, they did they beat Stand UMass
2: by. They probably beat UMass. I I remember the
1: tweet where the, in the second half, they didn't let UCF scored score, and the yeah. tweet, and the tweet oh, yeah, was yeah. like... Yeah, finished with 21 out. straight points. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was their starting quarterback for
0: the rest of the year, though. Should we tell he? the people now or tease it for next week? Um, what if we had one random tease from one week to the next to see if people would actually think, damn okay. it, I need to find out okay. how many games UConn right. won
2: in the next week. Okay, good. so let me see if I can find it. It's I won't not good, say I'll it. tell
0: you that. It, yeah, It's not good. I'm <laughs> guessing two... We can just give the answer now. Two and ten. Okay. It's it was 2. We'll but work can on the you guess next? Week.
2: Can you guess how many conference wins they had? <gasps> 1 0 It's 0 either eight. 1 or
1: 0. What conference
0: are they? They're independent. They are That's a well, trick they're, question. They're, no, they're, no, they're, they're going, going to be,
1: be in coming oh, up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is one step away from not existing. Yeah, exactly, yes. which if you one step away from non-existing. One
2: step away from non-existing. That's non- too long uh
1: one one step from non-existence. No, no, no. one step from non-existence. No,
2: one step away parentheses from not existing oh, an album by wow. god
0: dang I, I know i've said counting crows twice already but if that's not a counting crows song i don't know what is
2: okay so matchbox 20s album titles were more than you think you are or yourself <laughs> or someone like
0: you yeah. so, hey, <laughs> our band has a song called you and yourself which unbeknownst to us is kind of like that album
3: it is kind of like that yeah <laughs>
2: And the one thing I did notice, I don't know if this is a mark of a good band or a not good band, and I love Matchbox 20. I know you do. But I have never heard a song by them where they don't
0: have the title of the song in the song. Oh, like, that's okay. There aren't many songs that... I mean, There's except, There were exceptions to that rule. I mean, Zeppelin had some that are more like, hmm. the rain song doesn't say, this is the rain song. It just... <laughs> D- describes it like well, Bohemian Rhapsody. You don't hear those. They words don't say in Bohemian the Rhapsody. They ca-
2: say Kashmir and Kashmir. Like once, yep, right? They yeah. say going to Kashmir. I always yeah. had this. I'm, we're dragging on now. I always had this stupid joke, but I just thought, what if every single song ended and the last line just had to be the title of the song? <laughs> <laughs> like like Eleanor Rigby ends with do 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 Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: Wow, that's a whole other game right there. That's yeah. a Brilliant. Like every song that's ever been a major hit. That's <laughs> like a trademark requirement yeah. like you to just, label you the song. Yeah, yeah. Like Freebird at the end of the five minute yeah, guitar yeah, chamber, yeah. it all just fades out, and he's like, Free bird, <laughs> yeah. but there it's can't like, be a there can't
1: be music underneath it either. It has to be isolated at the end. <laughs> Free bird, yeah, like that. Like you're reading it to someone, yeah,
0: <laughs> just spoken, not even sung. You just you're like, wow, that, that's a very anticlimactic way after five minutes. <laughs> even slow. <guitar> <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we already said our goodbyes to everybody, so we'll just say it again. We'll see you guys next week for Michigan and Old Dominion chatter. A Pre- Missouri preview. Yeah. We won't have
2: anything. Well, we, we didn't really talk about the bowl, so we could talk more about the sure. bowl next week.
0: We did, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about, so maybe we'll do some research about Cal because they were pretty good until some injuries hit them. Had a big early season win, I think, at Ole Miss. They they did, and they yeah. were ranked at a point. Yeah, so this is a team that if they're healthy, they're going to be challenged for Illinois, but bowl games are so weird that it, matchups you can kind of throw them out the window, I feel yeah. like. You Plus, can throw the records away. I know it's a home game for them, but there is the aspect that it's not a I don't think they're going to be very motivated. Yeah, you I mean, travel imagine 20 minutes to play.
1: Cal, your trip is a 30 minute bus ride. Yeah. Imagine if we had ours <laughs> in Bloomington at the ISU <laughs> Right, it right. Fun. It's like you're yeah. playing yeah. Blooming- okay, it's whatever. like you're playing uh o- Oregon State in Bloomington. Yeah. Like who cares?
0: Yeah, so,
2: You know in hindsight, I might have if I don't know if I would have, I may have gone to a max school. Because not only would I probably have had a better chance at a scholarship, they get to go to the Bahamas Bowl. They do. That would have been amazing. And that's always a wild game. Like oh, Central my, Michigan always, and Toledo or whatever. We have to that find the game. It's probably gonna be like UCF Marshall, some game that is going to be just a bombastic scoring affair. BYU Hawaii has oh, potential. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Baylor, Georgia, I'm calling it Baylor's gonna win that game. Georgia doesn't care Alabama yeah. Michigan. Michigan's gonna stop I think Alabama. Michigan's gonna win that one too I why the heck might... does Alabama care they don't care Nick Saban said as much right yeah. Me-
1: meanwhile Jim Harbaugh is fighting for his job to get a good win <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean
0: he's probably safe but you're right I mean that yeah. would be a symbolic win for him even if they go inevitably nine and three next yeah. year which is kind of perpetually what they'll be I'm also picking Clemson to win it all that's who I'm fair, picking. fair choice I think that's not a bad choice because right. if they get past Ohio State I think that they're a good matchup for LSU yeah high scoring games too yes. i'm going to like that high scoring games even though the defenses are great the but. over under is 80 in the first one between
2: uh, lsu and oklahoma that sounds right yeah it's insane yeah, and that's lsu, LSU defense
0: that was yeah like, it was over to 33 yeah i'll actually go lsu to win it all i just think they be i best. think
1: they're a team on a mission yeah as yeah. funny as that sounds it's ed orgeron. no they finally have a quarterback
0: and who would have thought yeah. ed orgeron would be 13 and 0 with the chance men national title weird guy drinks like eight energy drinks a day uh huh I thought you were going to say like some kind of alcoholic beverage. No, no well, probably you might. Yeah. It looks
1: a like of... someone put him in like one of those compactors and just smushed every element of his body. Yeah. He
2: looks like a dog with really baggy skin. Yeah, oh, he's a Cajun dog. He is a Cajun man. <laughs> it is the
0: perfect tire for them. Cajun man. That's a that's an Adam Sandler skit. Cajun man, right? Or Creole? No, oh, no, he's. I forget He what did an SNL it was sort of like opera man. On. Well, he's he did, opera yeah. man, but a Cajun man was like a precursor to Waterboy. Oh. Mm. Uh-huh. Man, well, we have touched well, watch, on a lot Watch today.
1: SNL, and it's terribly not funny, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I've heard that. I've well, heard that. Yeah. I mean, they had Will Ferrell back last week, and I thought, I'll tune in. I heard they, that was brought, a bad episode. They brought a bunch of people back. I didn't laugh once, and I'm, that's not an exaggeration. I'm sitting there going, that is objectively not funny.
0: And it's, it'd be one thing if you went in cynical. You're probably like, oh, Will Ferrell's yeah, on. I'll check it yeah. out. Yeah,
1: but it was objectively not funny. It just wasn't funny.
0: It's a shame. Well, that's why we have old episodes of Seinfeld and The Simpsons and and all that to tide us over. Watch like I've been watching Blue Mountain State. That's a good good show. That
2: show. Yeah.
0: Third time through. Got got some appeal to it. Yeah. Damn, we touched everything. It's like a banana. It's appealing. It is the 200 level.